The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to miss Pioneer Night and talk magic. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing all right. Uh, yep, didn't make it to Monday Night Pioneer. Got distracted with some shenanigans trying to get dinner and just totally forgot about it. I was actually planning on going yeah. and just totally spaced it. Um, other than that, as far as Monday goes... uh. Relatively decent weekend. Uh, been working on Stardew Valley, just trying to kill some time. Basically, want to keep busy. Uh, like I've mentioned, uh, trying to cut back on like social media and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then trying to focus a little bit more on my hobbies. So I'm like trying to force myself to like play games. Yeah. Um. Obviously, not like if I'm not enjoying it, but I'm like trying not to just sit around the house as much. Um. I'm also prepping. I've got some uh, uh, got some company coming in in a few weeks, so I'm trying to like get the house ready and like make sure I have like, so for example, and this isn't, this didn't take long or anything, but uh, he and I are both big Resident Evil fans. So I went and uh, the uh, Resident Evil Village and Resident Evil 7 were Mm -hmm. both on sale in a bundle. So I got that. Oh, nice. Like I'm basically like getting everything together so that once he's here, we can just kind of hang out. So kind of, I want to, I think he listens, um, but kind of the plan is to play like the Resident Evils, like neither he and I haven't played either one of the first person ones, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also hasn't played the Resident Evil Two remake or the Resident Evil Three oh, so Nemesis it's be remake. Like a Resi Evil weekend, and they're they're not super long games. Mm-hmm. So like, what I'd like to do is like sit down and play and beat each one in like a day. Yeah, because that's we used to do that all the time. We just sit down like <laughs> this one time we were super disappointed because we played uh, Gauntlet Legends and Gauntlet Dark Legacy a ton. Mm-hmm. So then Gauntlet Seven Sorrows comes out. We go to, uh, it was EB, uh, Electronics Boutique, EB, mm-hmm. at the time, before it got bought out by GameStop. And we get Gauntlet Seven Sorrows, pay full price for it, sit down, and we beat it in one sitting. It was like six hours long. That's not six much or, It was. I don't remember exactly. It was more than 10 years ago. It was somewhere between five and 10 hours long. Yeah. And we were just like, really? Yeah, that's not a lot of game. They they fundamentally changed a bunch of the, uh, the like, core gameplay mechanics like gauntlet legacy or gauntlet legends and dark legacy and the other games i'm sure too but those are the ones i've played the most like in these particular ones you have like a kind of like a map room that like as you go through the levels so like there's a bunch of different worlds and Mm -hmm. then there's levels within the worlds as you go through the levels uh you get like gems that unlock the further levels and whatnot yeah so the games are big like there's dozens of levels there's probably like 10 or 15 bosses in each one. You know, it takes a long time to beat these. Uh-huh. And each each level is effectively a maze filled with enemies you kill. Mm-hmm. And like puzzles, that, not complicated puzzles, but puzzles you have to yep. figure out. Little time Secrets wasters. to find, stuff like that. And you're just running around. They, they were originally arcade games. It was actually a cool thing about Gauntlet Dark. Uh, it was either Legends or Dark Legacy in the arcade. When you started playing it, it would save your character to a network. So if you played it in Goshen... Save your character. You could drive to Michigan, yeah. and play the exact same character. Yeah, like keep, an online login, basically, yeah. and you could you could which was your like character. revolutionary as far yeah. as an arcade goes. Well, back in the day, you had to carry your memory stick with you. Yeah, you used to have a like PlayStation Two. You'd plug your memory stick in, and you could take your save files with you, and yeah. that was the cool thing. Yep. So 
Um, we played the heck out of those, but yeah, that was, that was a huge disappointment, but he and I just do that all the time. Whenever we would hang out, we'd sit down and just like play through entire mm-hmm. games in one sitting. So, uh, apparently my super Nintendo crapped out Aww. as well. So, uh, I was trying to get it set up, make sure everything was working. Um, I thought it was initially just the, uh, audio visual, audio visual cable. Yeah. It just uses the, the white, red and yellow cord. Yep. Um, I thought it was that, so I bought a new one. It's not. Started looking it up. Apparently, the pins that connect. So when you plug your cartridge in, the thing that that connects into, like it's basically cartridge, then something, and then it connects into the whatever motherboard, I guess, whatever yeah. it is. Um, that gets dirty, and you have to like take apart your Super Nintendo and clean that. Yeah, why so, do I do that? I'm going. I plan on it. Yeah. I've got some tools. I, I had to order some tools. I don't have any. And I've been uh, wanting like a little. I say you should. You so get, I went to like iFixit. That's the kit. I was like, yeah. you get the iFixit kit. I, I have that kit. And it gives you pretty much everything you need. I, you get like the six proprietary Nintendo bits. Yeah. So that's what I, I did. That's supposed to be here on Thursday. So on Thursday, I'm going to take that apart and clean that. Uh, I got that Super Nintendo, Nintendo. It's not my original one that I got when I was a kid. I had actually, I forget what happened to that, but it was one I got in high school. I bought it from a buddy. So it hasn't been cleaned in at least 18 years. You mean since the factory put it together? Pretty, assuming he never did. Obviously, he probably didn't. Yeah. But realistically, it has not been cleaned since it was built. Yep. So I'm going to take that apart, clean it. Just got to wait for the tools. and Get some uh, rubbing alcohol. Yep. So that's way to clean motherboards. Yeah, it and dries real quick. Well, because it it just evaporates. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It evaporates. Yeah. You can you can drench electronics and rubbing alcohol because it's non-conductive and it evaporates almost immediately. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, can't really think of anything. So I, I had a bit of a competitive itch the last couple of days. I didn't really want to play Magic. I'm taking a bit of a break from like I mean taking a break from Magic means I still go to the card shop two to three times a week. So I haven't been playing in like Arena or anything or uh, MTGO. So I re-downloaded Call of Duty. Black Black Ops Cold War, I think one of the more one of the recent ish ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't play Warzone. I don't like playing like art like the the big world open world. What are those called? What's what's PUBG and Fortnite? What's that called? Uh, Battle Royale. Yeah, Battle Royale. I don't Royals. like playing Battle Royale games because I'm really bad at those games, and I hate that I spend half an hour like gearing up and then dying in immediate fight. So instead, I like to play the the oh, like the original Call of Duty is like when it's like teams of six yeah. run at each other, die, just respawn. And I went on a fucking heater. I'm usually not very good at these games. My KD is usually like between one and a half and three to one, so mm-hmm. I'm okay. Uh, but I I, my, I dropped into a match and I was fifteen and zero. Nice. I went on a fucking. We lost horribly. Uh, we were not the rest of the team. We weren't like fighting for objectives in that one. We were just I was just doing a good job of killing people. But. Uh, yeah, I ended the match like twenty three and three. Nice. I That's uh, very good. I owned half of that map. Nobody could touch me. So I had a lot of fun doing that. And then I've been working through Black Flag still. I basically got to where I've done all of the casual content I can do. I got my ship like the highest level you can get without finding stuff. So I had to go start doing story again. And I just like was doing just, just hard doing missions. Doing missions, skip the cutscenes, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And then I got to where I had to go walk around the office for an hour. And I was uh, like, well, I think I'm done for the night. Yep. I had to go. I, again, I literally had to, I got, I got pulled out of being a pirate. The manager says, hey, you know, the CCO wants to talk to you. So we go up to talk to him. He's actually too busy to talk to me. He just wants to talk to her. So I have to, while I'm waiting, I have to go, one of the guys that works there, I have to go hack into the computer and I have to watch the security footage of them talking to somebody. 
and then when they're done, I have to go hack his computer, and then I can go back to my desk and be a pirate again. No, sorry. I had to go down to the main floor and do a data transfer with someone to give them the data, and then I can go be a pirate again. That sounds horrible. So my wife was watching, and I was complaining about it, and she was like, this should be a cutscene. And I was like, yeah, a skippable one. Yes. All this information they want to give me should be a cutscene and one that I can skip, because this is stupid. Yep. It was the same thing like we talked about uh, either last week or the week before with Spider-Man, where I'm just like... uh why am I playing Mary Jane? And uh-huh. It's just like, I, I I don't want to do this. I could be a pirate taking ships. Yep. Like, I could be, like, actually, like, taking down men of war and, like, conquering fleets and killing other pirates or Navy captains and making lots of money. And instead, I'm, like, ha- doing a hacking puzzle. I One of them, you had to play fucking Frogger. <laughs> It's um so they have like hacking puzzles because that's how you hack. Yeah, is you have a puzzle. Same thing in Spider Man. Yeah, yep. one of them was it's Frogger. It's literally fro- you have to you have to navigate your data packet through the channels of security measures. It's fro- It's it's uh, exactly Frogger. That's all it is. <laughs> that's and I looked so at my, stupid. Looked at my wife and I was like, I'm fucking playing Frogger right now instead of being a pirate. I just don't understand why developers do that. Like. I don't either, because I. You're wasting like that. Those kind of sequences cost a lot of money. Yeah, it, someone had to code all that. They had to do graphics design and all that. They had to make that. Like they had, to, like they could have, they could have avoided modeling the entire building I work in. Yep. Because I don't. You can. It, it's part of. You can free explore and you can hack into other people's computers and get more lore, I guess. But like, I can walk around and see other desks decorated with people's stuff and pictures. And you guys didn't have to do graphical design on all that. You could have oh. just let me be a pirate. Yeah, that's so. That's uh, that's ridiculous. Well, yeah, again, it's a cutscene. Is what it is. It's the, a cutscene, uh, and it's nothing new. So they do the same thing. I was playing the Resident Evil Two remake. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In that, there's you have two choices. There's it goes back to the same orig- So in uh, the original Resident Evil, you could play as either. I'm gonna. It's like Chris Redfield and I believe is that Jill. Jill Valentine. Yeah. It's Chris Redfield and Joe Valentine in Resident Evil 2. It's Leon and Claire. So I've never played a single Resident Evil game, and I knew who that was. So fuck you. There you go. Perfect. Um, They're too scary for me. They typically speaking, most of the Resident Evils, at least those core ones, have two characters. Resident Evil 3 is just Joe Valentine. Mm -hmm. Um, But they all have this sequence. So like if you play as Jill in uh, Resident Evil 2, you have to run around as a, a little girl. Why? Like like a flashback or something? That's who she's trying to like rescue. Or stumbles across this uh-huh. little girl in the storyline. You have to play as her then. And you have to play as her. So like in the Resident Evil 2 remake, you have to play as her trying to escape this orphanage orphanage yeah. or whatever with like some evil bad guy in it. I, it's So there, that trope, and there's a lot of horror games that have that trope. It's called a walking simulator. Yeah. Where you're weaponless, you're, all you can do is run and hide. Yep. And I, I, why are you taking this action-packed looter shooter? It's not a looter shooter, but yeah. like this is an action game. Action game. At, what's it called? Action horror. They're typically speaking survival horror is what they're called. But the more I modern... guess yeah, the old ones would be survival horror. Yeah. The new, like the remakes, one of those are action horror for Basically, sure. Basically, yeah. it's like it's just run and gun. Yeah. And then you have to throw a walking simulator level in here. It's like fuck off. I know. It's so st- I hate them every time. And like if you play as Leon, you end up playing as Ada Wong, who's actually like another secret agent. Oh, so she has like So she has like a gun and 
but like all her stuff is basically puzzles. So like in the remake, you have to use like she turns on like electronics that like uh-huh. open doors and stuff like that. I'm like, this is so. Does she play stupid. Frogger to hack them? She doesn't. It just you had to find them. Oh, okay. So like it. It's, a it's more, just a huge waste of time. Yeah, it's a huge waste of time. Stop making the game artificially longer with this bullcrap. Yeah, at least in it. Uh, there's a couple scenarios where it's not horrible as far as the storyline goes so what happens is like leon gets injured like actually injured and ada has to show up and basically save him and like i think like he gets he either gets bitten or shot or something like that so like he's down for the count and she has to go save him well you have to as opposed to doing a cutscene, they make you play as her gathering whatever you need to go save him so like at least that one makes sense at no point do i want to play as a 10 year old little girl yeah where like and i hate because the way they have to do this it's if you get seen at all, you lose, lose. whole thing. So lose the whole thing. It's just a lot of it's just trial and error. Like yeah. I got to pop up here. Oh, he saw me. Nope, got to go That's, the other way. Like those types of games, and they may not be very accurate depiction of the real world, but they made me realize that like being a spy is just half luck. Yeah, where it's like when you watch the spy movies and like they're infiltrating a building. They just get lucky. They don't turn the corner, and that's where the pathfinding for the guard is. Yeah, that's all it is. Because it's just like playing those games with so much luck, where it's just like, or it's it's just doing it wrong. And like, oh, okay, so he goes to the left, then goes to the right, then goes to the left. So yeah. I just need to. Well, whereas like like those movies and stuff, it's like oh, he's sneaking through the headquarters, and it's like, like he's just getting lucky, or she, they're just getting lucky that they don't bump into someone who's walking to the bathroom. Yeah, it's it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, a couple weeks ago too where like games that just have one water level the yeah. water level is also poorly designed well games that have one stealth section yep the stealth section's horrible yeah there's there's entire games about being stealthy right that should tell you enough that it is a very it's a delicate process you can hone into a fun game not just whoop he saw me so or yeah you could play it for five minutes as a 12 year old right that's just it's stupid like i hate yeah. those in I always any game that has those like if I rank them it loses it like like if we're just gonna go like out of ten it yep. loses like half a point automatically so like Resident Evil Two is a fantastic the Resident Evil Two remake is a mm-hmm. fantastic game it's at most it could ever be is like a nine point five for me yeah because it has of those stupid crap those in stupid it. sections like yeah. I hate that so much it's such a bullcrap mechanic for games so you know what I don't hate. Our patrons. Hey! So, we to give a shout-out. Uh, before we, As we get going this week, we get started on the magic content. Give a shout-out to our patrons. We have Empra, who does our Reddit posts every week. We super appreciate that. Uh, Rambling Rogue, Derek and Ashley. Derek and Ashley are with the Family Gathering Podcast. Super happy to shout them out. Super love listening to their content. Check them out, please. Uh, we also have Eric, uh, Monowolf, Ethan, and CJ, all of our patrons. We appreciate very, very much. Monowolf is actually cashing in another Force the Issue, that uh, sweet perk he gets from the tier he's in, so that he can give us something that's interesting to talk about, and we will discuss it. And today it's going to be an EDH list for him. We did his popper list, really enjoyed that, so we're going to take a look at his EDH list and see what adjustments we want to make to that. We're also proud members of the Planeswalkers Podcasting Network. They're on a bit of a hiatus, so I'm not going to go super deep into them, but still check out their Discord, discord discord.planeswalkerspodcast.com. Uh, there's a super thriving active Discord that we're a part of, too. There's tons of content on pretty much every format in there. They're going to be down for a couple weeks. They're basically taking a little summer vacation. But keep an eye on them. They post they post their episodes either Tuesday or Wednesday, pretty much everywhere ours are posted. And you can even watch them live at twitch.tv forward slash planesuckerspodcast uh, when they're in their normal broadcasting days. But they're, like I said, on a bit of a vacation. So we're moved past that. And let's get started on Legacy. So how's Legacy looking, Matt? Uh, overall... The weekend didn't look horrible. Uh, Delver's 
still pretty high on Sunday. It was like 18.75%. So six of the 32 on Saturday, it was five, uh, 15.62. So five of the 32. So still higher than probably we would want, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not like the 25% yep. with 25 to 30% that it has been. And it hasn't been claiming the two or three slots in the top 80. Yeah. It's typically I, speaking. Oh, sorry. So like uh, there's I one in the top eight on Sunday and there's a couple more, on Saturday. That's just more indicative of like a format prepared to fight Delver than it is a format that's like healthy. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Like, beggars and choosers. At this point, like if if what we need to do is, run is have pyroblasts. half your sideboard be dedicated to Delver. Yeah. And then, and you then know, just lose to Dredge because who saw that coming? Yep. It, but the flip side is that means Dredge is playable now. Apparently. <laughs> so like I guess that's something. Not even just playable. It did good. Yeah, it did, it really did good. Re- this it week. did really well. So, um, we'll go over the Sunday challenge. As far as I know, there weren't any huge events to talk about. Uh, again, mentioned it before, but we typically speaking try to talk about the same challenge every week. That we're, way we're mm-hmm. comparing apples to apples every week. Yep. Um, so, out of left field, totally, we've got uh, DM4X bringing it home with Death Shadow, Something. and that was another thing I wanted to bring up. This exact same list also won the Saturday challenge. I wonder if uh, the person who won Saturday and and DM4X are like in the same Discord or whatever. Could be. Yeah. They might be. These might be some shadow pilots that work together and have been working on lists and are running the same seventy five. Yeah. So we'll go over this list a little bit. Uh, Three thousand dollars. Yeah. It's it's not. There's no like huge deviations from what, what Death, Death Shadow is. Being a budget deck, it used to run Shockland, so it was kind of budget. Well. It still does run two underground seas, which are like $800 a piece. So like half of the budget is the two underground seas. Jesus. Uh, going through the list, I actually have almost all, everything on here, except for the Merktides. And like if I bummed your one underground sea or whatever. I'll so. sell it to you. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play Death Shadow that bad. Then I guess you can borrow it for free. And well, the so I was thinking about this and like, I was like, you know, Death Shadow wouldn't be a horrible alternative because I don't really want to buy Merc Tides. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it's running three Merc Tides. So I'd you loan you do? mine, but I almost always play them in Legacy because why wouldn't you play Merc Tide in yeah, Legacy? Yeah, like it's it's the best. It's it's not necessarily the highest ceiling card. Like uh-huh. there's plenty of cards that are in the abstract more powerful. Merc Tide's probably the best card. Best like it's certainly the best creature. Yeah. Obviously, you got like Brainstorm and Ponder crap like that. But like, as far as a beater goes, I think it's the best finisher in Legacy right now. Yeah. The best standalone finisher yeah, yeah. and modern. Like obviously like, oh, Crater Hoof's a stronger creature, Progen is a stronger creature, but like the yeah, like the none best of those like just drop for two. Just castable finisher. Easiest to run, easiest to cast, hardest to remove. Yeah. Relative to all the other things. Yeah, Murktide's on top by a bit. Yep. So just going through the list, we got Death Shadow, duh. Uh bra- one brazen borrower that seems to be just like that card just got so much utility. Yeah. Uh, and so little deck building costs. Like you yep. throw in there, at worst it's a slightly worse boomerang. Yeah, it's a it's a bad vapor snag, but it has a three one on the on the other end of it. Yeah, which three one flying no less. Yeah, which blocks Murktide. Yep, and it's just a very real threat. Yeah, and it's just a worse Delver. Yep. Uh, Street Wraith again makes sense. It basically just automatically gets your uh, life down by two uh, with Death Shadow, so you're pushing towards that goal, and it replaces itself. Um, since we've got Street Wraith here, this list, at least in the main, does not run Reanimate, uh, which would be something a lot of uh, Death Shadow players were doing for a while, is like you cycle Street Wraith and then reanimate it, yeah. and now you're down at 13, just right off the bat, and you have a 3-4 Swamp Walk out. So it's just not... a great, just a great way to bleed 7 life at any point in the game. Yeah. So, just a solid thing. The dis- Again, this 
list doesn't have that. But you also have the side effects of being able to reanimate uh, Death Shadows in the late game. That's a yeah. good top deck. You know, you're at seven life, reanimated Death Shadow, you have a five five. Yep. Uh, we've got one Gurmag Angler as opposed to the four Murktide Regents. Jake and I were talking about this. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest reason here is just the fact of the matter is when almost every deck that can runs six Pyroblast, I yeah. think a fourth Gur. Uh, a fourth a Gurmag fir- is worse than a, a the, Gurmag angler. The first Gurmag yeah. is better than the fourth Murktide. Yeah. Because that's what I was like. I, I saw that. I was like, that's the wrong decision. <laughs> Why would you ever run one Gurmag over uh, a fourth Murktide? And Matt was like, well, it doesn't eat a Pyroblast. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, it dodges Pyroblast and Bolt. Yep, which are definitely coming in in games two and three against this deck. Yeah. So Unfortunately, it does, however, you know, lose the race to a Murktide. But it does. That's neither here nor there. But you, well, in this deck, if you're playing against another Murktide, you actually have solid answers for Murktide. It's true. So between Force of Will uh, and Snuff Out and Thoughtseize, because Thought Thoughtseize is actually a decent card against Murktide. Oh, it's very good because you got to hold Murktide pretty yeah. towards the middle of the game. It's usually a turn three to five. Yeah, like uh, to give you some comparison, Thoughtseize is a horrible card against Ragman. Mm-hmm. Like either a they're going to drop it on turn one. Yeah. Or B, if it's already in play and they're holding one, you don't really care about yeah. chucking their you copy can, they can't cast. You can snag a one they're dashing, but it's it's not yeah. the lineup. It's not where you want to line up. No, it it's kind of funny. I was watching Thraven Yu, um, who is a content producer I do enjoy. It's Phil Gallagher. And he was playing a, uh, a janky jank deck. And he was literally talking about how it was like turn two... And he was playing against Delver, and he like thought seized and left the Murktide because he wasn't that scared of it. And they played it, I think, next turn. They had like two cards in their graveyard, and they went like end of turn brainstorm, and then like maybe maybe it was like bobble. They ended up playing either the next turn or the turn after. And he was like, "Oh yeah, we were gonna win this game for sure, and now I think we're gonna lose because I wasn't prepared for a Murktide on turn four. Yeah, and like a six six Murktide on turn yep. four. Or whatever well, it was. that's the thing is like you don't. It's one of the. It's a very important distinction to make. Is it just has delve? It doesn't have to remove instants uh-huh. and sorceries. So yeah. like all your fetch lands, it all comes your in bobbles, as a, a five five and a six six, pretty easily. Yeah, and that's perfectly reasonable. If you're paying two mana for a six six flyer, okay. Mm-hmm. Like who's upset about that? Um, we're not going to go through the whole list. The typical blue suite. Um, basically, we'll call out the black guards because that's what's different. Um, you got one fatal push, uh, four thought in the main. Uh, two him to Turok, and then three snuff out. So yep. like, snuff out's clearly, obviously does other things, but very clearly that's in there for Murktide. Yeah, um, that's that's the main creature you're probably worried about removing is Murktides. Yep, and your combo matchup, typically speaking, is going to be a, at least game one going to be a lot stronger. Uh, you've got the four Thoughtseize and the two Hems and yeah. four Force of Wills. And you got you got Force of Will and Days, like yeah. Force of Will Days, Stubborn Denial, um, which is just another Days, but or it's a it's a you know, it's a it's a it's force, a force spike. spike sort of. But I mean, like, yeah. How often do you hit someone when they try and go turn one? You know, dark ritual entomb reanimate. And it's yep. like, oh, cool. That's that's uh. But oh, you're out of mana. Cool. Yeah. Bing. Force spike. Yep. And then it's a late game. It's a much better. It's card. just a counter spell. Yeah. For one. Um. Then we got one dress down in the main, which does some funny thing, funny things with like uh, death shadow and yep. whatnot. But also can be used to counteract other abilities as well. Very good combat trick to make your death shadow a thirteen thirteen. Yep. Uh, sideboard doesn't look but there is one couple interesting cards here one powder keg uh, two, for anybody who hasn't seen it two mana artifact at the beginning of your upkeep you may put a fuse counter on it then you can tap it sacrifice uh, sacrifice it destroy each artifact and creature with CMC equal to the number of fuse counters so is this just a worse ratchet bomb uh, I'd have to look at the or, exact text of ratchet bomb I guess ratchet bomb I think you tap it to put a counter on it 
So Ratchet Bomb would start sooner because you could play it and put a counter on it. But this, you could, the turn it gets its third counter, you could crack it for three. Yeah. Whereas Ratchet Bomb, you have to tap it to put three on it and then move to your untap. Yeah. And an interesting thing about this, in theory, it does get zero mana or zero CMC stuff. Yeah. So like it gets a lot of tokens and whatnot. Yeah, it um, cleans up like Urza Saga really well. Yep, Urza Saga. You well, got... it wouldn't clean up the uh, the the, the, uh, the enchantment, but it will yeah. clean up the creatures. Yep. Um, any of the like Thopters from like eight cast. Although to be perfectly honest, we haven't seen eight cast around a ton. Not a lot in the top eights. Um, then we've got as far as other cards go, we've got a couple Turoks, uh, Dread Canter. So two one for two. Got Kicker good. two. Yeah, it's a really solid solid card. Protection from white. So again, a lot of the removal in the format. It dodges. Well, once it gets a once it gets to that four four, it it starts as a two two. Yeah, but it gets bigger. Was it whenever your whenever your opponent discards a card? Uh, so it's whenever an opponent discards a card, you can put a plus one plus one counter on it. Mm. Uh, or sorry, you put a plus one plus one counter on. It's not a may. Uh, then when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target opponent discards two cards at yeah. random. So, so it's, for four mana, it's a him to Turok with a four four. Yeah, and yeah, so you're dodging like the solitudes and the swords of plowshares, and then at that point you can also be dodging uh, swords, or not swords, lightning bolts. Well, still weak on holy heat. It only gets two, so it's actually a two one, not a two two. So it'd still be weak to, uh, in theory, bolt until you can get another discard. Yeah, off. So you need a third, so it'd be a it'd be a four three. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the removal is swords, plowshares, and prismatic ending. Yeah, so I mean, those are. Dodges yeah, a lot of it. Dodges a, a lot of it. Well, it dodges, it dodges a lot of the non-Delver. Well, and the big thing is, one of the matchups, one of the things that sucks about Death Shadow is uh, losing to, like, Swords Plowshares. Yep. So, like, you Pretty could swap your, one. you know, I don't know necessarily if you'd do this, but in theory, if you're going against a, a Plow deck, you swap out your Death Shadows for a couple of these, mm-hmm. and then a couple other, you know, grindier cards or whatever, however you wanted to approach that matchup, and... I maintain, I saw this get played a few months ago, I maintain that these are, this is almost just a, uh, this is a this is a really good Demir list that happens to run Death Shadow. Yeah, I mean, this is, the like, fact of the matter is, we're, we're, we are gone, I think gone are the days that a one mana 6-6 six, six is good enough to get yourself down yeah. to, what, 7? Right. Like, it's just, or what, it'd be, it'd be 6, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just like, it's not enough. Th- those creatures isn't, you can't rely on that as a strategy. But it is well, a good card. It is a, I, the problem with Death Shadow is it forces you to be in one hit away from dying to a Murktide. Yeah. Or double, or sometimes double bolt. Yeah. Like, so, like I said. Still worked, though. Still brought it home. It won the past, it won both of this week's challenges. It's clearly at least a playable deck. It's one of those where it's just like, you know, if you're just a Death Shadows fan, obviously you can play that deck in this meta. Mm-hmm. But it's, to me, it's just leaning on the back of Murktide Regent. Definitely helps a lot. Yeah. And to be fair, it's got not only does it have Murktide Regent, but it's Murktide being everywhere allows it to play a card like Snuff Out, yeah. which it really wants to do. Yep. Zero yep. mana, you're paying life. So abrupt cut. Yep, hard uh, cut. Yeah. Matt had to take a pretty important phone call. So uh be totally honest, I can't remember exactly where we were in this. Yeah, I think we were just talking about, you know, Death Shadow and like Murktide and yep. Snuff Out, something like that. But so, it, is, it is an excellent time to move on to deck number two. Yeah. Um, that, Like I said, that basically covers uh, Death Shadow. We've seen it before. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, it basically took down Saturday and Sunday. That, yeah. It's pretty rare that happens with the exact same 75. Uh, second place, we've got Jeskai Control. Speaking of those uh, protection from white <laughs> creatures. Yep. <laughs> 
Uh, this is a creature list list, which is uh, something Jake brought up. It could run one of the companions, but doesn't. Yeah, basically here is a free roll here because it has like all of your creatures are either cats or elementals or whatever. Yeah. And having no creatures means they're all, you know, they technically are all at least cats. Because yep, it's the only creature in your deck. Yeah. Because so, I think it counts itself. It does not. Oh, it doesn't? Because it's not in the deck. But it doesn't matter. It Gotcha. The deck meets the criteria and they decided it was... It was worth it to have the fifteenth sideboard slot than okay than a three mana three three two I think yeah what would you cut uh, we were talking about it pro like probably the uh, one of ruination yeah like I don't think I don't I don't know I don't think it's that good a lot of people I mean we've talked about people are running it this a uh, four mana wrath or a four mana destroy all destroy all non basic lands it hits you pretty hard you've got uh what three you have three non-basics, which come up so often that you're stuck getting your non-basics or playing your non-basics. It's going to hit you plenty often. Like There are some games where it's just a straight-up like I win button if it resolves, but you know, it's, it's, it is one of those things where you're talking about a straight-up I win button if it resolves, but it's, it's, it's going to be relatively irrelevant versus a 3-mana three 3-2 three, that's going to be relatively irrelevant. So yeah. like when, you, when we talked about that, and I was like, well, like, yeah, it makes sense they didn't run it, I guess. Like I probably would cut Ruination for it, but I also probably wouldn't run it at all either. So yeah. they're probably correct. Yep, and it's one of those things that I, I just personally find this these kind of conversations around companion interesting because like at what what is the value of that creature? Mm-hmm. And like... That this particular deck doesn't seem like it's very high. There's a lot yeah. of decks that would love to just have a, a three extra. mana three two just hanging out. Yep. Um, uh, in Pioneer, almost everyone now runs uh, Jengatha in the Boros Heroic deck. Yep. Just as a command, uh, not a companion, not a commander, but a companion. It's very common in Modern and Pioneer to see companions when they're free rolls because it's just free. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is at least in Boros Heroic, the idea of getting to five mana, that's that's not yeah that's rare like that's a you, really rough stall out yeah stuff something's gone horribly wrong now to be fair there have been a couple games and i currently don't run it um but there have been a couple games where you flood and i could see that that would be useful yeah. where you just like or there's been a couple games where you just go like buff spell buff spell buff yeah. spell and you just don't have any creatures so being able to dump some mana and drop a five five and then start yeah, buffing that, that would be cool creature. yeah so at that point it's probably attack ones and win right so realistically i probably should run it i just haven't pivoted to that yet um mm-hmm. i didn't want to make i didn't when i'm testing out a new format i typically speaking uh kind of like take it slow like i don't want to just make wild changes every week because it's hard to get actual data on what's good if your yeah. deck is different every single week um, as vice, far as vice versa, I've changed my Esper tokens deck almost. I've changed between five and ten cards every week. Yeah, trying try new stuff. Yep, trying. Well, and it's like I don't plan on. I'm still there, brewing though. You're yeah, tuning. Yeah, my I'm tuning. Mine is like I need to see which cards I like. There, there was one card I cut almost immediately. I forget the name of it, but it's a uh, target creature gets plus one plus one in haste until end of turn, and it's got jump start. And like every single game i sideboarded it out immediately yep. i'm just like i don't like this card i understand why it's in here because it's a decent top deck when you've got an 8-8 or like when you're you're at the end of the game you can buff a guy make him big swing and get yeah. in there but it's a good cast recast or yeah. cast at three like you can dump like three lands to keep casting it yeah so but i i you, cut that any card you sideboard out every single time is something you should look at cutting yep as far as this deck goes yeah what actually of, is in second place yeah Jeskai Control. Again, it's basically... The funny thing is, we always joke around that Jeskai is basically blue-white with Pyroblast, but... And 
to be fair, it still mostly is, but the entire main deck is blue-white, and yep. then it's got Meltdown, Pyroblast, REB, Kozilex Return, and Ruination in the side, so the sideboard's like half red. Yeah. So it is at least but the important games two cards, and three are the, very much a Jeskai important list. important cards are Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast. Yes. Um, but yeah, it does have a decent bit of red in the side. Yep. Uh, as far as the main deck goes, we've got the full four Narsets. Yep. Um, part of the Veil. Uh, this is a nine Planeswalker package. Yes, and it does have one day's undoing, which makes sense. Yeah. If you're going to run. Yeah, Narset's pretty good on her own. It's. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will pull from the Eternal Dirtles crew. Uh, Narset is just dig through time. Narset is just a three mana dig through time over. Two, it's over two turns, but it's almost it's almost just dig through time with the passive that your opponent can't cast Brainstorm or Ponder. Yeah. So it's good. It's very a very strong card. creature, or it's, not creature, Planeswalker. Especially if what you've done. What they've done in this main deck is dedicate the main deck to keeping the board clear. Yep. And then just generating value off these planeswalkers, like the full four prismatic ending and swords to plowshares and two supreme verdicts. You got six forces in here, like and a flusterstorm. Yeah, and a flusterstorm. You've got dress down and shark typhoon as just you know. Again, we've talked about dress down in this context. It's very very much going to be a defensive card. Yes. Like you're not you looking to turn off Death Shadow and swing for 13 in a nope. turn. You are going, you're getting rid of ETBs or weird or killing at, construct tokens. Killing construct tokens, all kinds Stopping of stuff a like that. Forge and entering. worst case scenario it cycles. Or a end of turn shutting off a Spirit of the Labyrinth. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff you can do with it. Yes. Very useful utility card. It's probably the best so we we always used to talk about these cards as like what would you pay mana wise for a card that says just draw a card. Yeah. Because like Well, one man draw card exists. It does. And, and it's not played. And nobody plays it, right? Yeah. So like obviously you wouldn't do it for one mana. Mishra's Bobble shows you'd probably do it for zero yeah. for sure. Because then you get the well, free card in there. It's it's yeah, it's zero and something else. Yes. It's zero and information. Well, even then, I think you'd still probably play Mishra's Bobble if all it was was draw a card. Zero mana, draw a card. Because mm. it's putting stuff in the graveyard. You're uh, you're effectively getting a free card because then you're you're fueling delve and stuff like that. Be interesting to see them print that like Phyrexian mana. Yeah. Well they, I mean again yeah, you've got a, good Taxian probe, but print a probe without so did probe get banned because it gave information or because it drew a card? Realistically, well I think it got banned. I think it got banned as large part because it gave information. I think the reason it actually got banned is because it was free. Because we've got Peak, which does exist. It's one blue mana, look at target opponent's hand, draw a card. Yeah. So the fact that it's free is there. Uh, so obviously it's it's got to be free to, to zero work. mana, look at their hand. Zero mana, look at their hand, replace a card replace is bannable. Is zero mana, draw a card, put a card in the graveyard. Yeah. I would run that in most of these. Um, obviously there's certain decks where you just wouldn't. Would you run uh, run the old 62 special? The Maybe. old joke was Gitaxian Pro was half a card, mm -hmm. so you could run you could run four probes and only be at sixty two cards. Yeah, so maybe I mean I run sixty one in elves, yeah. so there you go. <laughs> I'm not opposed. Would you run it in elves? I don't think I get any value out of it. Drawing a card, get one more deep. But in all you're doing is replacing the card. Yeah. So you would have just drawn the next one. I guess that's true. But I like you'd look at their hand though. You get to see the coast. Oh is clear. well, if it was looking at their hand, absolutely. Oh, so you you would just run probe? Yes. Well. I don't. I don't know for sure. Like, did you run probe when you I could? didn't? There you go. See. But to be fair, a lot of people. But you're you are a better magic player now. Yeah, but a, a lot of people slept on probe probe for a long time, mm -hmm. including myself. Uh, and then it started showing up in a lot more places. Yeah. And started to be kind of like a problem. Um, I don't know if the because I mean the life loss is something like it two is. two life is something. Especially in the Delver world, it matters. It does matter a lot. The difference between five and three is huge. Like if 
if control was the if like a control deck was the dominant deck i might consider running something like probe in something like elves mm -hmm. where like the value of two life to make sure the coast is clear before you combo off is different yep. because they're typically speaking control decks not going to pressure your life total in the same way that delver does yeah so yeah the difference between zero and or one and 20 is so very like little, the meta usually. matters there a lot but i mean dress down like i said it's basically it cycles it's two mana and yeah. it clearly does enough that even in a non-creature deck, you run it. Tangent aside, yeah, this is, this is, is a pretty standard Jeskai control list. Yes, there's nothing in here. The cards that are in the sideboard that are not typically inside are just main deck cards. So you've got Timeless Dragon and Men Monastery Mentor in the side. Yep. Um, third place is a little more interesting. Someone told me Dredge was playable in Legacy. It is. It just got third place in a challenge. Hey, it's pretty sweet. Yep. So just looking at the list here... Um, it's a ho it's got one Hogak. That's just an important little bit of information. One uh, Hogak, one Ox of Agonis are probably yeah. the those are uh, oh, and four grief. Yeah, I was gonna say the four grief are yep. Those are your non dredgers that are gonna be good value creatures. Grief obviously just clears the way and protects your graveyard. Yeah, catch to snag those rest in pieces or mm -hmm. those containment priests, and then um, Ox of Agonis is a great way to refuel. Which I mean, you could use it to refuel. You're probably using it just to dredge three more times. I mean, mid to late game, I mean, think about it. Red, red, draw three cards, or I'll just dredge five, dredge five, dredge four. Yeah. Oh, look, I hit two Nar I hit th my three Narc Amoebas and my Dread Return. And yep. And my Bridge from Belows. Oh, yep, there's that bridge. So we're uh, we're cooking with gas. Yeah. So about the only other interesting card is Otherworldly Gaze. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about that when it got spoiled in Midnight Hunt, how it was... Uh, they were trying to make it work in Modern especially because mm -hmm. it's kind of the closest thing to Faithless Looting you got in Modern where you could aggressively fuel these, uh, at the time, those arc-like Phoenix strategies. Yeah. But these graveyard-heavy decks where what really matters is putting stuff in the graveyard as quickly as possible because yep. it's a one-mana... Oh, was it? Look at the top three of your life. Yeah, you look at the top three for one blue. You can put any number of them in the graveyard. And the rest go back on top. And the rest go back on top. And it has flashback for two. Yeah. So for one card and three mana, you can dump six in the graveyard. Yeah. Um, obviously spread across two turns. And the cool thing about it is... It's also an instant, which Most matters. of the time, you're probably not going to be paying the one, but it's these flashback spells are important because yes. you can cast them from the graveyard after yep. they've been dredged in. So it just keeps keeps you going, and mm -hmm. it doesn't require you to actually draw any cards. It just straight up mills you three. And in the off chance you actually do want to cast one of those cards, you can just leave it on top and draw it. It's yep. Um, everything else looks pretty standard, though. Uh, not really much to say. It's dredge. Yeah, it wasn't. You've got like the gemstone mine and the mana confluence. You got your rainbow land, city of brass. Uh, do have Cephalic Coliseum, which is pretty sweet. It was fun. I was. This is a huge callback, but uh, we should talk about it. Um, I'll pull up the information. But Sinorna, uh, one of our one of our avid fans, is hosting a legacy event. This uh, about a month ago. He's doing a monthlies. I got to go on and do coverage for it. And so if you check out, uh, I think it's just twitch.tv forward slash Sidenorna, he'll be hosting it. I'll be doing coverage. Last time, Honorog Doss got to come on. And so before we, or while we were chit-chatting between rounds, I got to talk to him about about his list running Cephalid Breakfast. Mm -hmm. Or not Cephalid Breakfast, but running Cephalid Coliseum and like uh, Narset. And Life from the And Lord. we yeah. got to talk about how brutal it is to, like we saw that line and he was like, yeah, it happens all the time and it feels great. Yeah. That isn't happening here, obviously. I thought it was fun, but I thought it was funny when I saw Cephalid Coliseum. Yep. And one interesting thing about this, though, there's no Dread Returns in the main. Oh, so, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. They're not running a Dread Return in the main. That's a sideboard So you've got a, a, like an Ashen Rider they're in the not side. running Altar of Dementia either. No. 
So it's this is very different than like a and a straight up Hogak list, obviously yeah. a stretch. But like this is it's a fairly atypical list. Like yep. you're not trying to get out like a Flamekin Zealot, which to be fair is kind of old. Mm-hmm. But this is all about bridge from below, bridge from below and Icarids. Yeah, basically just getting those out. Yep. Which if, if an Icarid is, you sacrifice it on the end step, and then on your upkeep. If it was put into your graveyard, you may exile a black card. Sorry, at the beginning of your upkeep, if it's in your graveyard, you may exile a black card other than Icarid from your graveyard and put it back into play. So it's yeah. just a 3-1 with haste. Yep. Which, I mean, obviously, like if you get two three ones with haste, that's pretty strong. And then you pair that with, let's say, Bridge from Below is making a couple 2-2s as they die. You're creating a insurmountable board presence pretty yeah. quickly. Oh, uh, fourth place, we've got Storm. Hey, it's Demonic Tutors. Yep. <laughs> yep, so no surprise to see him in the top eight. Nope. He's a regular in the top 32 and pretty consistently in the top eight. Um, go through the list here. So we got Ad Nauseam Tendrils running a, yep. uh, a something kind of spicy, Reign of Filth. We see this sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I've heard Bryant Cook talk about this card and how it's it just enables so many broken turns. So a run one black instant that allows you to sacrifice any land you control to get a black mana. Yeah. Which just being able to turn... Turning you know that one mana into maybe get those last get those three lands you have sack them to get three black mana to fuel tons of stuff. I yep. mean, I mean it's basically in the mid to late game it's effectively a dark ritual mm-hmm. or cabal, cabal ritual for one. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. So like it's just bumping up that black mana ritual lists. Yep. Um, it's kind of all in. Very uh, much. But typically speaking, storm is. Yeah, but yeah, when storm's going like, off, like you pick the turn and you yeah. go. Either you win or lose <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah, obviously it's not going to be as good on the early turns because it's only gonna. I mean, you had to have it has. It's not even mana positive until yeah. turn two. Yeah, to have two lands. Yeah. So, but I don't think I've ever. St- I don't think I've ever stopped storm and then lost. Obviously it happens, but I, every time I've stopped storm, and like they go for their uh, they lion's eye diamond to uh, what's the tutor they use? Infernal, uh, Infernal tutor. tutor. Yep. Infernal tutor, and I forcible that. Either they concede on the spot, or we play another four turns. I establish some kind of board presence while they you know draw nothing or try and draw whatever and the game the game ends pretty quickly yep yeah if you can get them so they're out of cards and out of mana yeah after they've committed they're done yeah usually uh got elves next up fifth we don't need to go in too much into this (laughs) never do do we no no this to be fair it's a very standard list um it is a reclaimer list so no nettle sentinels uh i mean there's not much else to say i heard julian calls this mid-range elves makes sense like i mean that's what i've been saying all along like yeah. the nettle sentinel is in there because of the combo potential yep. it's a decent beater but like in a world well, of Tide region it's not going to outrace anything like, like four years ago when we when i first started talking about legacy with you like it made sense like nettle sentinel beats were a thing yeah boy talk about talk about looking upon the uh the good old days yeah and then that wasn't even that long ago um but that's what a card like Tide region does it just full, fundamentally just changes the meta mm-hmm. the face of it so again, more of a mid-rangey list. Got full twenty-one lands. That's something that kind of bounces around a little bit. Um, sideboards fairly stock. Murder's Cut, Force of Vigor, Endurance, Thoughtseize, Duress. Yep. So, typical. That's like a little heavy on the discard relative to what it normally is, but nothing we haven't seen before. And we've seen Storm picking up lately. We've seen more and more Storm decks in the top eight. So it makes sense if you're run- you're going to be running more discard effects because, like you taught me, it's almost a buy for Storm when they get paired against Elves. Game one, it's brutal because yeah. I mean you basically have the same game plan only they're a turn faster and they don't rely and they're they're not working with summoning set creatures. Nope. So they just win. They most of the time. 
I don't mean so I don't mean the match. I was like when they go, they <clears> just win. Yeah. So a lot of those a lot of that game one is just determined by the die roll. Yeah. Like if you have two people of equivalent skill and we're gonna assume both decks are functioning as they should, a lot of that's just who goes first. Mm-hmm. Um in uh what was it, sixth place, we've got mono mono white bomberman. Although, again, classic NPG Goldfish deck categorization. A deck is Naya because it has two red spells in it. <laughs> yep. But this runs cut to ribbons and it's still <laughs> yeah. mono white. And has four Leyline of the Void and has a Garuda as a companion. So it's got yes. white, blue, black, and red. Everything but green, technically, but it's mono white. So just to poke fun at MTG Goldfish a little bit. It even has red lands. <clears throat> yeah. It has Den of the Bugbear, Rustvale Bridge, it's got a and plateau. plateau. Yeah. So oddly enough. This deck, outside of its uh, artifact mana, could never cast Kairuda. Nothing in the mana base produces black or blue. Yep. Uh, I think, in theory, you could get Cavern of Souls. I guess that's <laughs> but true. they don't name Demon or Kraken when yeah, they you cast could, it. Yeah, you could get both Cavern of Souls yep. and name Kraken on both. Yes. Uh, if that's your game plan, yeah. you should probably just build a different deck. Yeah. So I think this is an example of where Gairuda is just a free roll, and it's just Gairuda as a free roll makes a little bit more sense. Where if you do get to that point in the game, a six six for six is better than a three two for three. Yeah, because you're talking about the late game where you probably have access to plenty of mana. A six six just beats your opponent to death faster, and yep. it's harder to remove. Yeah, and I mean casting, assuming you can cast get the mana, the six mana itself is not an issue in this uh-uh. deck. So. And you have the chance of free rolling some sweet creatures off your opponent too, because yeah. Gairuda ETBs and both of you basically exile the top four, I think, and you get to take any one of those creatures and put it into play. Yeah, it's not a bad card if you uh-uh. get it to resolve. Man. It's just it... it's gotta get that reanimator game. You gotta get reanimator right. or show and tell. I don't know why game. Death Shadow doesn't run this. <laughs> yeah, I we'll, will take we'll that. We'll take out Archon of Cruelty. <laughs> yep, I'll and take that. we'll reanimate uh, Death. Like, well, we're going to play Reanimator, but it's going to be Gyruda Reanimator as yeah. opposed to. So I want a 6-6 six, six that doesn't do anything except randomly gives me stuff off the top of the deck. If you happen to have a good card there. Yes. <laughs> well, so, you have to, so we have to run Brainstorm too. So you can't combo until you can Brainstorm and this. And we'll run Portent so we can look at their library. That's true. So you can stack theirs too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Mono Wolf's deck. He's yeah. excited for us to help him brew. Yeah. So anywho, it's Mono White Bomber, man. Um, yeah, and this is again nothing we have nothing even seen new, not really. Like uh, um, you've got Urza sagas that are new, and you have but the Urza saga doesn't even bring a wish package with it because you already have all the zero mana artifacts you wanted anyway. Yeah, it's just looking up, it's just finding what you want. Like uh, you, I mean, you could get a Chalice for zero, but Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal, Mox Opal, it's just getting those Act- mana. It can't get Chalice for zero. Oh, that's right. Yep, it has that, to be zero or one. That was going to be, and uh, I. I can't remember it exactly, so I don't want to throw shade at the guy who I played against. I may be misremembering it. But at the time, I didn't realize that Urza Saga was zero or one, uh-huh. not zero CMC. And I am I think I'm pretty sure my opponent got a walking ballista with it once. Yeah. And I didn't. it didn't even occur to me. Wouldn't it have immediately died, though? Uh, I forget what he did exactly with it. Maybe he, well, he could have put it in the graveyard though. He could have died. He could have done that to get in the right. graveyard. So S- something happened. It was either that wow. or a chalice or something like that. Good misplay, Matt. I'd never, yeah, it did not occur to me at all. Now, to be fair, I'm not 100% sure it happened. But I remember, <laughs> like, looking at that after the tournament and yeah. going, oh, wait a second, yeah, my opponent got, gets... yeah. So the, the internet went crazy when that card got spoiled because they were talking about, what's that Black Lotus, the Lotus Bloom? Yeah. 
people are going crazy. Like it just but, gets Black Lotus, and it's like no, no, it does not. they no, actually it they actually worded it correctly to to not just get Black Lotus. Yeah, but it does get Lion's Eye Diamond. <laughs> it does get Lion's Eye Diamond, <laughs> which, which is, is close. often good enough. In a Bomberman uh, deck, it's almost the same. Yeah. So again, that's the deck. Yeah. In case people have, we even talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Ashiok Salvagers and Walking Blista as your combo, I believe. Um, or no, it's not. It's not. Sorry, it's Walking Ballista as the finisher. It's Ashiok Salvagers and Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, so that generates infinite yes. mana. Lion's Eye Diamond sacks to make three Ashiok. You can or uh, Ashiok Salvager or Auroch Salvager. You spend two mana to get a artifact back into play, and obviously you're netting one mana. So make five hundred mana, cast a giant Walking Ballista, dome your opponent for five hundred. Yep, or two fifty. Uh, it's one of the kind of decks you don't. It's. A little more popular in paper than it is online because you yes. got to do that loop. Uh, it's a very intense on the if your opponent's gonna make you play it out, it's very intense on the clicks. Yeah. So especially it's, if they can drag the game out, then yeah, you start losing on time a lot. Yeah. If you get if you can force the game like if you can force game one to go long and they combo kill you, but they only have like thirteen minutes left. Well, they have thirteen minutes to play potentially two games of Magic. Yeah. That's not a lot. And they still have to combo and off. They still have to combo off. Yeah. So uh, moving on to seventh, we've got elves again. Woo. Uh, elves had a very good weekend as well um this list is a little different it's got uh it's a nettle sentinel list um combo elves yeah so this is combo elves the interesting thing about this in my opinion uh, if you notice they've down to one bayou in the main the sideboard is basically no black mana like it's got uh, leyline of the void but you never you, cast those you never cast those so you basically have one grist so this is as close to mono green elves as you're gonna get yeah um, which, you have no it's, discard spells on the side. Yeah, and you basically just bring in Mind Break Trap against Storm. Yeah, Mind Break Trap. You have Chokes for the blue matchups. Uh, uh, Collector Roof is also pretty good against Storm. Yeah. I've heard oh. Brian Cook uh, rail quite often in his podcast about how much he hates Collector Roof. Yeah, not being able to use like Lion's Eye Diamond and stuff like that yep. is pretty strong. So I thought that was just worth noting. Uh, that's an interesting take on the sideboard. But beyond and it that, it looks successful. like a pretty standard Nettle Sentinel list. And he, yeah. like, even it looks like a standard elf list, just running Nettle Sentinel over the... Yeah, and you got like one Endurance in the main. It's stuff we ha- we've we seen before. There's yeah. That's one of the things I like about elves is you have a couple flex slots so you can throw in, like if you expect to play against you know Artifact Deck slot, you can just throw in a Collector Oof in the main as opposed to an Endurance, yep. stuff like that. And you got Green Sun Zenith to uh, pick them up. Yeah. So again, nothing super spicy there. Uh, rounding out the top eight, we've got straight up blue red Delver. Uh, exactly this looks like blue red Delver. Yeah, this is like the list. There's no shenanigans, just no ledger shredder, nope. or it's not a no Delver list. We've got only Delver, one bobble. DRC. Usually, you see two or three bobble, I guess. Yeah. Like that spell, you'll lose a couple spells. Sometimes you go down to three days, but yeah, like this is yep. So this is this is the meat and potatoes of blue red Delver decks. Two unlicensed hearse in the side. Mm, that card's good. But other than that, there's not a whole lot to uh, say. That we haven't said before about Blue Red Delver. So, going over the metagame summary, we've got uh, Blue Red Delver is six of the top 32. It's 18.75%. Elves was the next best deck at four of the top 32, 12.5%. Then Other. Then we've got some like Depths, uh, Ant, uh, Blue Zenith, which I haven't talked about in a while, but does show up. One Death Shadow, bringing it home. Bomberman, stuff like that. So, a bunch of one ofs. Uh, for any of the fans out there, there was a uh, that Madness deck, top 32'd. Nice. So, bl- blazing and basking root wall of Madness, basically. Yeah. The, I mean, that deck is awesome. I, yeah. a, I know Asher's a big fan, and that deck is pretty fun to play. Yeah. It's all in. It's very much a glass cannon, which is why you don't see it yes. top 32 a lot, because it just 
It's a lot of things have to go right for it to yeah. work. But it is a very it does a very powerful thing. Yes, very it does. well. It's one of those like uh, I, the comparison I draw to, and it's with Legacy too. But I have a very a better understanding of modern reanimator. The deck I play, when it draws well, you just can't win. Like, and that's just how it feels. When I when the deck draws well, you just cannot win, and that's kind of how madness is. When madness draws well, you can't win the game. It just it goes too wide and too tall and too fast <laughs> and too fast. <laughs> yes, but it also sometimes just draws three lines eye diamonds, right? And uh, a hollowed one. And it's yeah, like oh, because like if you look at this list, it's a whole lot of real bad cards. Yes, yep. If they come <laughs> if they come in the wrong order or in the wrong combination. There's really bad cards yeah, in this so deck. When, you're, when you shuffle up and your opponent cuts it and goes, good luck, uh-huh. you better hope you they're right. <laughs> That's one of those decks where mulliganing is the most important yeah, decision you're You can't make. keep bad hands because you just lose. Because you don't do anything. You barely interact with your opponents, especially game one. Like You're just hoping to slam some, as put as, you know, 10 to 15 power on the board yeah, by and, turn two or three yep. and just raise them. Or get an angry, or, uh, Angrath Marauders or whatever. Angie's Ravagers yeah. to resolve and just start ancestraling every turn. Yeah. Uh, most played cards shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, Brainstorm, Ponder, Force, Will, top three. Green Sun, Zenith. That's kind of cool. That's elves plus other yep. shenanigans. Mostly elves representing. Yeah. Uh, then Swords to Plowshares. So I guess also that uh, that blue Zenith would be in there too, obviously. Yep. Uh, top- Man, yeah. Four elf decks in the top eight. Good yeah. job, elves. So most played creature in this top 32, Elvish Reclaimer, because you've got... All uh, the land all strategies. The lands. Well, all the depth strategies. Yeah, all the depth strategies. Elves, uh, mostly yeah. elves lists. So suck it, Merktide Regent. <laughs> yep. Coming in a close second. Tied with Merktide Regent. So, so this I is guess literally just. Also first. Yeah, realistically, we should just say Merktide Regent. But fuck Merktide Regent. Yes, Play I elves. Agree. Uh, then Delver of Secrets, DRC, Endurance. I mean, the fact that Endurance is the fifth most played creature should tell you something. Like I don't think. I mean, like, Endurance. It is consistently the fifth most played creature. I think even without Murktide, I think Endurance would make that list quite often. Legacy is a um, a very graveyard centric format, even without Murktide. It is, but it's, like it wouldn't be there as often. That's for sure. But I, I think it'd still be there quite a bit. The it's one of those things to me. The Endurance does two things very well. It screws over graveyards, mm-hmm. and it screws the entire deck of Delver over. Yeah. So like obviously you can get them like you can prevent it, it them casting a Murktide. It puts it, it really does put even if you have to evoke it, it can put Murktide back like or it can put uh Delver back three turns. Yeah, and if you don't evoke it, it basically blanks their whole deck. Yeah. Except for Murktide. Yeah. Which so it like, also which yeah, makes it which puts your Murktide back three turns. It's gonna eat a DRC that has to attack into or you're eating a Delver that is yeah. attacking anyway. It's just to me, like it's a very good card. I probably it's one of those things where, like, it would for sure see fewer copies if yeah. Blue Red Delver wasn't 25% of the meta. Yeah, it's true. That's um, true. Then Allosaur Shepherd, because an elf, 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 elf. Yeah. So, <laughs> Turns out a one mana uncounterable. Your spells are uncounterable. Also, a win con you can dump mana into is a good card. Yep. Turns out 60% of the meta shouldn't just fucking play blue. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but and I want to run Force of Will. Yep, you can. <laughs> Sometimes people play cards that there's only counter force of will. It's only forty seven percent of the meta is running force of will. Sixty copies in the top thirty two. <laughs> only only sixty copies. Um, top spells again, same thing. Brainstorm, ponder, force will, green sun zenith, and swords to plowshares. So, again, legacy doesn't look horrible. Good top eights, still bad meta breakdown. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty indicative that the best decks in the format. Sorry, the best deck in the format is still Delver, I think, but. The decks that are rising to the top are the decks that are running sufficient uh, hate for Delver and and are pilots that are prepared for the Delver matchup, yeah. probably. 
Ready to hop over to yep. Le Modan? Ready when you are. All right, so let me write down a little time stamp here, and let's take a look at our modern challenge. Uh, the metagame summary is very uninteresting. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a quick metagame it's summary. It's pretty bad. Uh to jump to jump to the end a little bit, metagame summary, Hammer Time and Merktide, both at 25%. Yeah, eight decks each. Eight decks each. Yeesh. Yeah. But uh, Crusherbot BG brought it home with Mono White Hammer Time. So quite a bit of a, uh, I just forgot the word, but a sidestep off of the Azorius lists we see by far the most often. So we have our Stoneforge Mystic, and that can get us like Nettle Cyst, Cranial Plating, Sword of Fire and Ice. So we have a really different... Uh, Stoneforge Mystic package than we normally see. We usually maybe a Cauldra. The swords are pretty rare. We almost never see cranial plating. So really, de- really straying there in the Stoneforge Mystic uh, tutor package. But otherwise than that, we still have the you know the Colossal Hammer, the Colossus Hammer, the Esper Sentinels, the Peristyle Paladins, the Sigarda's Aids. Like all the stuff we expect to see there is there. Mostly we're seeing a difference in the Stoneforge Mystic package. Uh, other than that, I don't see anything. Like you do see on thin ice, so we've got uh, snow covered islands or snow covered plains, so we get to run on thin ice as a pretty sweet removal spell on the sideboard. That was um, one of the cards I was pretty excited for. Like uh, chain to the rocks was a decent card. I I'm I personally like the oblivion ring type effects. They're yeah. fun to play. I think they're interesting gameplay uh, mechanics. Yeah, I think they're they are where hyper cheap removal should be. It's kind of that it's kind of conditional removal. Yeah. I'm going to invest some res- a, a very small number of resources into removing your creature, but you can get it back if you're willing to play build your deck with that in mind. Yep. Well, and this is a good example of it because uh enchant snowland you control. What that basically says is you need to be running basics. Yes. Like you can't run this in a five color deck with a bunch of shocks no. and fetches and stuff like that. They're just I mean, not going to happen. You could run the dual snowlands that come to play tapped. Yeah, but like, that's but not going to happen. No. Nobody's realistically doing that. Yep, and so that's, you got to run basics. You have a real cost to your mana base. And there's a real cost to just running disenchant effects or a prismatic ending. Or yep. There's tons of ways to remove that spell and get their thing back. Yeah. So. But it also is a hyper-efficient removal. Yeah, one mana, no and conditions on the creature. Especially a deck like this, usually you need a turn. Yeah. You just need to get your thing through once. Yep. Second place, Merktide Regent. So this is that, is it... Delver deck we see in modern a lot. That's basically Delver, but not Delver. Uh, we have Ledger Shredders along with our Merc Tides and Ragavans. The spell suite that we see every week: bolts, pierces, unholy heats, counter spells, Archmage's Charms. Um, man, Archmage's Charms expensive. <laughs> yes, it so, is. So uh, we went to I went to our uh, store championship and I was able to win an Archmage's Charm, the promo, or whatever. And it's like thirty five dollars for the foil promo. It's pretty sweet. It's beautiful. I too. told you it's the best cancel they've ever printed. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> man. It's beautiful. Uh, Mistress Bobbles, Dress Downs. No, no DRC in this. Yeah, the biggest the biggest deviation is we've lost DRC for some uh, denser spell suite. What is interesting, although it does play well with Ledger Strider, is we do still have the four Mistress Bobbles. Mistress Bobble plays the best with DRC because it fuels Delirium and it also gives you that sweet surveil trigger. Yeah. But it also pairs pretty well with both Expressive Iteration and Ledger Shredder, where Expressive Iteration lets you hit that as a free spell pretty easily, and Ledger Shredder wants you to be casting multiple spells in a turn, so you could easily go turn two, cast Ledger Shredder, cast Mistress Bobble, uh, connive, and now you're out of bolt range, yeah. which is very, very relevant for Ledger Shredder. To get that thing out of bolt range as soon as possible, yep. it's very much become a kill-on-site card. I still don't think it's worth $25 a piece, but that's okay. I'll end up buying them when they're 40 bucks a piece one day. Yep. <laughs> Remember, guys, buy high, never sell. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the plan. That's how you play Magic. And then wait for them to just reprint and, your... Yep. 
value away. Other than that, I don't see anything in here particularly interesting. Two subtlety in the side is kind of cool. Uh, a Blood Moon. We have two Unlicensed Hearse. Nothing surprising there. Uh, the two Mystical Dispute, we talk about that card kind of semi-regularly, how powerful that is in, in blue-dominant metas, which is basically any old format. Yep. The uh, the interesting thing, we've, we've mentioned subtlety before a couple times, but I the cool thing about it to me is what it does is it demonstrates the power of free mana. Because it's not a very strong card. Nope. It's not even a good card, in my opinion. Except, but it's, it's free. When it is good, it's great. Yes, that's like fifteen percent of the time. There's not many creatures, even in modern. There are some, but there's not many creatures you're willing to two for one yourself for. Right, just but to get it off the like to keep it from resolving. Yeah, but that is how important free is. Yep, and it's just it's that entire cycle is seeing play. Now, yep. obviously, subtlety sees the less play, the least play, uh, endurance, and probably solitude and fury are clearly the yes the upper, and then grief is. Grief's very, close. Very close. Grief's definitely more combo like, oriented. Grief sees, pl- Grief sees more playing Legacy yeah. than any than any of the others except Endurance. By a lot. By a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, Endurance Solitude, first. Solitude Grief. sees almost no play. Grief is, for, a sol- Grief is a solid second. Yeah. Solitude sees play in like Yorion Death and Taxes. Fury sees play in like the Red Prison <laughs> decks. Did I tell you I took my Griefs out of my Reanimator deck in Modern? Yeah, you mentioned that. This feels like the weakest card. Yeah, there's so many. It feels like so much bait where there were I would keep hands based off grief ephemerate and then I would lose the game. Yeah, turns out when we both strip our entire hands and they're just drawing better cards than me sometimes. <laughs> like it's on a card by card basis, your cards are just better. Yeah, like mine are better when you pair them to pair them, but like I need the right ones to pair. When you just draw them out of order, there's a lot of bad cards in that deck. Yeah, turns out drawing your second archon in a row is like I <laughs> uh, game two. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I did make you discard. But I did make you discard three cards. Yep. And then you. Drew a Merktide region. If it could hit lands, oh. like if it was discard a card at random. Be still my heart. <laughs> dude, you would hate it. I know. You know you would hate it. Oh, you, I would. You'd be like, I I'm hate... not playing fucking any format dude, where grief is legal. <laughs> I hate Thoughtseize. That's the joke no. we always run. And there was Because we went, we're not in anyone right now, thank God, knock on wood. No one's like screaming for bans in any format. But we just get in these cycles where people just want to like, I hate this card, ban this card. This card isn't fun, ban this card. The joke I always say, and I'm 100% honest, I hate Thoughtseize. I run it in most of my decks, but I fucking hate Thoughtseize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely hate if Grief could hit Lance, or a Grief equivalent, but oh, be fun to play though. Oh yeah. I'm just going to Grief Ephemerate. You can keep that Merc Tide. Why don't you discard two of those lands? Yep. <laughs> Good luck, bud. Hey, if they can him to Turok my lands away, why can't I Grief their lands away? Yeah. Dark Ritual Thoughtseize him. It's fun. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Oh, I've I've had that happen a couple times, and I, it's also that happens, and I'm like, cool, game two. Yeah, I mean that's what you <laughs> that's, do. Uh, I think I'm ready to. I think I'm ready to concede. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Let's move on to third place. There's not much to talk about. There's not much to talk about in this top eight. Hey, look, it's Azorius Hammer Time. Yeah. So the Azorius Hammer Time list we get blue almost exclusively for Reality Chip and Spell Pierce. I mean, it's literally almost the only thing we ever buy. You get Mana Leak in the side, the Lavinia we get a lot. Yeah. So the uh, what is different about this? We do have like a Giver of Runes, which is quite a bit different. We only have Ornithopters. We don't have... Uh, what's the other one? Memnite. We don't have Memnites. We only have Ornithopters. But we do have Ginger Brute, which is a great way to get that uh, get that hammer in to hit somebody through blockers. And the Stoneforge Mystic Package is a bit different. We have one Shadow Spear and one Cauldre Complete, along with the hammers, obviously. So uh, significantly different lists. And I would say that the Mono White list is the, is the true outlier. This is what yeah. a... Not even just Azorius Hammer Time, but this is what Hammer Time lists have looked like post Luris ban, and that mono white list is quite a bit different than we're used to seeing. Yep, I personally don't like running a ton of different options with Stoneforge Mystic. Is what you're doing one of one of the things um, 
You're almost the, never casting your second one. Well, A, you're almost never casting your second one. But what you do when you have, so you got four Colossus, and say you have another four equipment, right? Yeah. Your opening hands are atrocious. Yep. Like the, the it's you never, very. When you have Stoneforge Mystic, you almost never want to draw any equipment. Right. And the more equipment you put in your deck, the more you have to draw. Yep. And that's one of the reasons um, a lot of Death and Taxes players started going to Yorion is like your opening hands are just better. Yeah. Like you're starting seven, you don't end up because they don't change the number of equipment they run. Some yep. of them will bump one more in there, mm -hmm. but like you're not looking to cast these things no. to draw and cast. You're not them. looking to draw them either. Yeah, right. You're looking to two for one with Stoneforge. Right. So like having, I mean, what was that first list running? Uh, I say it ran the sword, it ran nettle cyst, it ran cranial blading. Yeah. So you've got colossal. At least nettle cyst is a creature. That's so true. that one makes sense. I I can't say anything bad about nettle cyst because it's a threat by it's itself. It's more castable for sure. Yep. Uh, but you got Colossus Hammer, Shadow so four hammers, a Shadow Spear, a Cranial Plating, a Nettle Cyst, and a Fire. So you got nine equipment. Yeah. Those are some bad opening well, I mean, hands. I mean, you, so you have a one in nine chance of drawing on every spell. That's uh, what, 10 would be one in six. One in six is approximately 15%. So like you're looking at 14% to draw on every, yeah. or any, any draw, it's like 14% to be an equipment. Not be to an mention, equipment. you got to include your 13%. Your Stoneforge Mystics in that as well. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just well. Like, say you want you want to draw. You say you want to draw the stone forge. You don't draw the equipment. But if every single card is a one in thirteen percent chance or whatever, or one in well, whatever, what I mean though is like you also don't want to draw them together. Oh yeah, like you don't saying, want yeah. like a stone forge and, and a cauldra and a cauldra. Yeah, like it's not bad because, but like you're kind of negate. They're you kind were of, gonna, it's a I was going to get a cauldra anyway. So I'm getting I'm not right. I'm getting off. I'd much rather thing. have a solitude. Yeah. or a you're, whatever. You do weaken your deck in the abstract in that way, where you have these cards that you don't want to draw, but you have such a huge variety of them, you're more likely to draw some of them, especially yeah. in that opening hand. You're going to see more mulligans. Yeah, your your ceiling goes up a little bit because of your flexibility, but your floor yeah. goes down, in my opinion. Uh, fourth place and fifth place. Yeah, more Merktide Regent lists. <laughs> it yep. was funny. Uh, Emperor, who is our who is our resident modern uh, guru. Put up as soon he always, he's really good about it. as soon as the challenges go up he he gets he gets some commentary to us and we're talking about it a little bit and as soon as it went up he was like very Delver this week in modern yep <laughs> it was like yeah there's a lot of Merktide Regent so actually just like the second place list I believe yeah. Ragavan Legislator Merktide no DRCs twenty five spells just the exact same uh four bobbles exact same like I haven't compared these one to one they look very similar even the sideboard looks identical. And so this could be an example. This is either an example of people who are running the same 75 because they're in the same Discord or we copied a list off of MTG Goldfish, or this is, you know, a very unlikely odds that they just happen to run the same 75. It looks incredibly close. The lands are, there's a couple, uh, one deck runs Odawara. That's the difference. Okay. So. And the, so it's like 74 and 75. Yeah. I, I don't think the format is this solved. Like, we're not at the point where we're running the same 73 in Merktide. So this is probably an example of s people working off of the same source material when building a deck and, you know, making very, very minor changes. Uh, but there's no reason to go too much into that. Looking at the fifth place list. Very similar again. Similar. We do have one Dragon Rage Channeler and one Snapcaster Mage. So we do have two more creatures, uh, and we have a few less spells. That's it, though. Yep. That was actually... You do I, have a Serum Visions, which is interesting. That's definitely yeah. by far the worst ca uh, cantrip we see. Yeah, but we do have it. Um, it was something I was always kind of curious about myself. The like DRC and Ledger Shredder are decent. I don't want to say combos, but there's decent synergy with Snapcaster Mage because you're mm -hmm. fueling the graveyard a yeah. lot. 
but obviously again you're going to want to be delving those away from murktide regent yeah but and so there's a it's one of those things where i was like i was curious to see where it would go because mm-hmm. you kind of have a fork in the road so it's like the aggro plan obviously you want the murktide region stuff yep but i was curious to see if anyone would try to utilize those and get value off snapcaster mage as well to try I, to just reuse that I, kind of I, stuff i think snapcaster is kind of underplayed right now the uh there's plenty of times in the game where making your murktide one smaller or waiting a turn on it is like i think it's worth the utility snapcaster offers it it just it gives you so much back between like things like counterspell things like lightning bolt things like archmage's charm like you get access to such powerful pieces uh, I run I, I run Snapcaster in my reanimator list. Nobody runs it, and like I, my my deck is full of A B combo, and I get to recast B. Like I I love Snapcaster in it. Yeah. Where you go turn two, you know, basically in Tomb and Archon, turn three reanimate it, counterspell. Okay, turn four, Snapcaster reanimate. Yeah. I love that line of play. It's so strong. And then okay, counterspell. Okay, turn five, reanimate. I don't now I but now I have so many more outs where like I basically have two more reanimate spells in my deck that are also uh two more like uh tutor spells for entombing, two more spells that are, like could be draw spells or two more spells that like two more ephemerates. Mm-hmm. Just it's so so much utility with the very with flexible card. It just I get, in fairness it just depends on whether your format and you have time for that. Yeah. Uh and and I could be out of touch with modern that maybe you just don't. In my experience with my deck, I do, but I'm also playing I win buttons, so that's not really a fair comparison to make. Yeah. Like, I'm not grinding. I and I'm not grinding out value with my Snapcaster. I'm just pushing an I win button one more time with it. So yep. that could be where I'm a little delusional. Otherwise, same list. Yep. <laughs> uh, sixth place, we do have some variety. We do have Living End. There's not much to say about it because it's Living End. So we've got a sweet Cascade deck. Uh, it's got the four griefs, two subtlety. We don't have the giant turtle. Nope. Other than that, it's pretty much the exact same as every single other Cascade list that we see, or Living End list. Yep, no real changes there. Nope. Seventh place is a list we haven't seen very much since Modern Horizons 2 got spoiled. Much like Reanimator, this is a deck that kind of got birthed into existence very much on purpose because of MH2. We have Enchantress. Yeah. And so this is three-color Enchantress. Uh, What what, what are those colors, Matt? Green, white, red? What is that? uh, It's Naya. Naya. We got Naya Enchantress. So it's... (laughs) Like I want to talk about it as an interesting. It's interesting, but it just runs all the enchantments you're supposed to run. Yep. Like it, Destiny Spinner, Sanctum Weaver, and Sithis. Those are the cards. Like, uh, li- literally two of them are from Modern Horizons two to pair with a Destiny Spinner that wasn't. And Destiny Spinner is maybe the weakest one. So Sanctum Weaver gives you abs- oodles of mana. You get a you get a X mana for the number of enchantments you control. Yeah, that so card's it's nuts. Sanctum Serum. Sarah, what's that? What's that land? Sarah Sanctum. It's Sarah Sanctum on a creature. And then you've got Sithis, which is another, uh, it's not a lord, but it's like whenever you play an enchantment, you draw a card. Yeah. So that pairs with, thing. that's another enchantress presence. Uh, and there's an, well, that's, there another that's one? where the deck got its name is off. Uh, enchantress's presence. There, no, it's off of, well, there's, that's, enchantress's presence is also something that got its name. Of, uh, there's like Vidurian enchantress and Argothian enchantress. Those were the two that were originally. Argothian enchantress yeah. is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah there's two of them. Uh, and used to this deck has been around forever. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of the tournaments that so back in high school, I've mentioned it before, but I had a big play group of friends. Uh-huh. One of our friends, Brian, he was huge into Enchantress even back then. So we're talking about like 2000 to 2004. Back before, way before it was good. Right. So and it well to be fair, it was it was strong because you had some other things. There was one that it gave. There's like Ancestral Mask, which was, I can't remember the set. I think it would have been Marcadian Mascus, but 
could be wrong there, but it's like plus one, plus one for each, uh, or plus two, plus two for each other enchantment or each enchantment you control. Mm-hmm. Sarah Sanctum was around. You've got the two enchantresses that draw a card whenever you cast an enchantment. Yep. Like the deck worked. It was very strong. You did have good payoffs. Did you, it, was it lacking finishers? That's usually where Enchantress the, falls short is it lacks good finishers. The problem fundamentally back then was you had all your enchantments were they didn't they didn't really get around to making auras that good. Yeah. So like the problem was you'd have like Roncor was like the staple, but it was very susceptible to getting two for one. Because like gotcha. everything you're playing, like if you put an enchantment on a creature, I kill the creature, I two for one you. Yep. Like that's just and if you look, a lot of the enchantments now uh, or as they either draw a card or they provide some additional value well, plus what they're doing. Most of these enchantments enchant a land. Yeah. Most of, almost every aura on here enchants a land. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. The other thing is the deck has kind of pivoted to stuff like Utopia Sprawl or Abundant Growth, where you're just cantripping through yep. and then you get these And ramping. You're ramping, you're cantripping through, and then you get um I guess it's not in here, but this is a little bit different because you're using Sterling Grove and Solitary Confinement to like shields up. Yep. Um but like uh Popper Boggles will use like uh can't remember the name of the card, Ethereal Armor. So it's mm. like plus one plus one yeah. for each enchantment you control for one mana. There's like a, those are your finishers. All that glitters is a new yep, version. That's of another that. that gets artifacts and enchantments. Yeah, but it gives you play. Yeah. Yeah. No, the finisher in this deck, so like Matt said, you have the solitary confinement and the um Sterling Grove lock where Sterling Grove gives your stuff hexproof. Shroud, actually. Or it gives you Shroud, yeah. But say, um, with Solitary Confinement, you're not going down on cards because every art, you get to the point where every enchantment's drawing you multiple cards, so you're fine on cards. You just get to where you are, um, you're able to build up your board. The finisher in these games is usually the Destiny Spinner, which came out in, I think, the new Theros. But it's, so creatures, creatures and enchantment spells you control can't be countered. It's a two mana two three, but you can pay four mana and just do as many times you want. And target land you control becomes an XX elemental with haste, where X is the number of enchantments you control. Yeah. So it's basically all the glitters, but it makes it your land and all the glitters. So yeah. you know, you use your solitary confinement to just lock the game down to buy, if you have to buy yourself the time to where you can be like, okay, well, on the end of your turn, I'm gonna make 10 2020s. And I'll go to up I'll go to upkeep. I'm gonna sack my solitary confinement. I'm gonna choose not to, and I'm gonna attack. Yep. And good luck dealing with good, good luck dealing with this. Yep. And one of the well, one of the uh, one of the things about Enchantress that I I think it's a good bet long term. Uh, Mark Rosewater was just talking about this. He wants to make enchantment creatures eventually evergreen. Yeah, they're currently deciduous. Yes, that was, that was an announcement he made. Yep. Where they, which it's kind of dumb. Like evergreen means that they can put it. They can put a keyword anywhere. Yeah. So like vigilance is evergreen. Yeah. You can see vigilance in any set. But Infect is not. You can only see Infect on Phyrexian sets. Typically speaking, yeah. Well, they're saying enchantment creatures, which used to be only on, like, Ikoria. Not Ikoria. Well, Thar- on uh, Theros on is Theros. where it started. They want to make it deciduous, which means they can do it when they feel like. Yeah. Which kind of means it's evergreen. They can put them. They can just put them wherever they want. Yeah. But what I was saying is, like, with that, one of the interesting things about this thing is, like, so you look at Sterling Grove, almost every permanent in this deck is an enchantment. Mm-hmm. Like... They're just, it's one of those uh, archetypes where it just keeps getting better. I believe every non land permanent yeah. is an enchantment. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's nuts. That yep. didn't used to be the case. Yeah. And then, so once you get the, once they get their second Sterling Grove, it's just a lock. Yep. It's you literally. You can't target anything. Without a, uh, there's one in, there's one spell in modern. It's two. 
and then it's three hybrid mana. It's three hybrid Celesnia. So it's green. Yeah, white, it's like green, destroy white, all enchantments. It's destroy all enchantments, and like you gain yeah. a life for each one. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's the um, Celestia one. It's... But beyond that, there's really there's almost no way to get around it. other than like board wipes to kill their creatures. But when they're drawing 10, 15 cards a turn, I mean you're hoping they deck themselves. Yep. Uh, and then uh, one thing that's worth inter- it, it, worth noting in the side I think is cool is they do have the 15 Emrakul, Aeon's Torn, because you can just cast it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, like, easily? Realistically, pretty you easily. Can, sometimes you can just tap a Sanctum Weaver and be like, hey, I'm going to make 12 mana, and then I'll tap two lands, and I'll cast Emrakul, take an extra turn, attack. Yeah, and one of the other cool things that I really like about this deck is there's a lot of... They use... And it makes perfect sense, but they use enchantment sideboard pieces. So you got yep. rest in peace, seal of primordi- uh, uh, primordium, um, stony silence, uh, lane line of sanctity, yep. like payoff flame. Flame blitz is a really cool card. I hadn't really. It's I'd seen it before, but it kind of you know went in one in went in one ear and out the other. Like that, that card's amazing. When that deck. came out, uh, I remember people were talking about it quite a bit. It was a huge statement from Watsi that planeswalkers will never be able to like totally take over the game. Yeah. Um, and the joke was like, when this card becomes either playable or main deckable, you know your format is fucked. Yeah. But so Flame Blitz is a Modern Horizons two card, one red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, it does five damage to each Planeswalker, and it has cycling for two. So in a Planeswalker world, that card's fucking insane. Honestly, that card might have made Oko not need to be banned. Like, if that card had existed when Oko came out, you might not have had to ban Oko. Potentially, yeah. If every sideboard could have had two Flame Blitz or three Flame Blitz, and you just go, okay, turn one Flame Blitz, and they go, because Oko can't hit enchantments. Yep. Or they play an Oko, they plus it to five, and you go, okay, on my turn, I'm going to cast Flame Blitz, and pass the turn. Kill your fucking Oko. Yeah. And not even just Oko, it's each Planeswalker. Also, kill your Narset and kill your Teferi. (laughs) Right. I mean, like, could you imagine sticking that when they have, like, Narset Teferi and you're like, I mean, in fairness, you gotta get past that counterspell, but I'm just gonna, yeah, one red, kill that shit. Yeah. Oh, it resolved? Cool. I'm gonna cycle my second one. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, I'm gonna do the power play and play both. It just sticks around. (laughs) Yep. Like, the only play for a Planeswalker is, like, to play Teferi Bounce It. That's That's your only play. It's a really good card. It's a that is like an incredibly powerful yet very specific yep. answer that I'm really glad exists. I'm glad that we can't get into a world where like, well, I guess we're just fucked at all these planeswalkers they printed because you just start running some flame blitz yep. and yeah, cast the first one, get to where you can double spell and just cast two of them in one turn. One will probably resolve and <laughs> that's probably going to be all you need to do to solve this problem. Eighth place and ninth. And 11th and 12th. <laughs> Hammer time lists. Yeah. Uh, eighth place for relevant uh, reference is a mono white list again, so we're losing that reality chip. We've got the Stoneforge package of Nettle Cyst, Sword of Fire and Ice, Sword of War and Peace, and Cauldra Complete. So, yeah, like eight equipments again. This is, again, a very non traditional. It seems like this mono white list, which the mono white list used to be very close to the Azorius list, yeah. which, in fairness, it pro- the, the mono white came first. Then we were in Orca- Orchov for Black and for Luris. And then now we went to Azorius because Luris got banned. So this is probably like more OG, but even the white list we saw after Luris got banned was very, very close to the um, Azorius lists and these white lists seem to be kind of venturing out into their own territory with these much more expanded Stoneforge Mystic packages. Again, we only have four Ornithopter. We don't have any Memnites. Uh, what we do pick <laughs> up the Burrin Forge Tenders or Burrinton Forge Tenders, which probably the best best Kitkin. 
probably, the, I mean, that's almost certainly the best Kithkin, uh, but also just one of the best anti-burn spells, anti-red spells. Yeah, it's very good. It's a very good card. Yeah, just a one mana pro red, and then to give something pro red, that's pretty strong. Uh, yeah, the Ginger Brute, Pierstow Paladins. You do have a Spellskite, which is something we see kind of flexing in and out of these uh, these decks. This style of deck, Spellskite, makes very good sense, where you're basically playing a Voltron deck. You need it to you need to protect that thing, so you have things like uh, this this Forge Tender, things like Spellskite, to just protect it. Just make sure that this uh, whatever creature I care about isn't going to be bolted, isn't going to get an Unholy Heat, isn't going to get a Path to Exile, or even a uh, is it spell or ability? Uh, yeah. yeah. So it even takes out like Solitude. Another even. cool thing. Uh, it's very good against infect. They go to giant grow something. You pay two. You giant grow. Oh yeah, you could you could <laughs> yeah. steal their pump spells. Yep. That's brutal. <laughs> so what you're saying is, if infect gets good in legacy, pack you your spell some spells. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's so rough. I'll play ink moth nexus. Okay, I'll play spell Your turn. Yep. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Finds of asswood. I'm gonna yeah. take that. Thanks. <laughs> Other than that, uh, some real, some real spice uh, and, and a shadow spear. So again, that, so nine equipment total. Yeah. Uh, some, some spice in the artifact like, section. Wh- who sort of war and peace? I, I don't know how. It, I don't know who thinks that's better than feast and famine. Even like I don't, I don't even see that being better than feast and famine. But again, I'm not sitting here in a top eight. Like this to me. Well, war it, and peace apparently is better against Merktide Regent. <laughs> well, the uh, to me looking at this, this guy. Looks like he has a bit of a phobia, and I don't mean this in a bad like to insult him. He's he built his deck to beat burn, yeah. Like he's got main decked forge tenders, war and peace, and he's got three more sanctifier and vex in the side. Yeah, like, he's really not. He doesn't want to lose to Grixis or uh, Rakdos or yeah. Burn. So he really secured those matchups. All right. So again, our meta breakdown: Hammer Time, Merktide, both twenty five percent of the meta with eight decks. That's disgusting. Sure is. Blue Living End and Burn, both two decks, or sorry, and other, but two decks in the top 32, 6% each. And they were down to a bunch of ones like Enchantress, Titan, Omnath, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, most played cards Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Esper Sentinel, Ragavan. Nothing really new there. Top Creatures, Esper Sentinel, Ragavan, Stoneforge Mystic, Pierce Paladin, and Ornithopter. I mean, that's four out of five for your hammer decks. And top spells, Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bubble, and Unholy Heat. Alrighty, so we've got... Before we leave Modern, real quick. What'd you see in Modern? Elves top 30, dude. Got 31st. Did it really? Yep. Abs and Elves. Abs we don't have to go elves. over it. It's, it's fairly typical. Um, it's got a lot, almost every elf you would expect. It isn't running the new uh, Glimpse of Nature, the two-man Eclipse. No, that, I don't think that card's ever going to... It doesn't seem to have legs. If that isn't proof that you can unban Glimpse in Modern, I don't know what's going to be. Like, that card got printed, and it's not like it sees less play. It sees zero play by a lot. Right. So it's either Glimpse of Nature or nothing. Yeah. And Glimpse of Nature is probably okay to unban. Um, the, yeah, only thing, the interesting thing about this, uh, this is actually very close to the list I used to run. The Vizier of Remedies uh, Devoted Druid combo is cool. It's basically infinite mana, yeah. and then you can pump that into Azuri. So that's... it's. Uh, it's got, it's obviously, it's got a couple new cards. Uh, elves got Quarian Ranger. So what um, you're saying is buy elves now. It is apparently at least somewhat <laughs> playable. It can win. It can win. There was a, uh, this I guy went me. four and three. There was one thing I did want to say. Uh, this Enchantress deck we were looking at that is, I've played against it. It's terrifyingly powerful and fast sometimes. 500 bucks. Yeah, it's relatively inexpensive. $495 for a, uh, and probably most of not. I mean, four, a hundred of that is literally Windswept Heath. Yeah. 
and it's not and definitely not a tier one deck, but a very powerful yeah. deck for five hundred bucks. A yeah. very powerful non burn deck. You can always get burn relatively cheap, but if you want to play a deck that isn't burn for like five ish hundred dollars, very very good deck. Kind of funny if we're talking about price. Elves cost three hundred dollars more. I saw. <laughs> it's eight hundred fifty dollar deck. Yeah, I saw for a much realistically a much, much worse, worse deck. deck. Like, much worse. Elves is the nice thing is. At least in modern, elves is not enough of a deck that plague engineer is everywhere. Yeah. So a lot of the elves things you have to deal with in legacy because elves is a very real legacy deck. Uh-huh. You don't typically speaking have to deal with. Now you do have to deal with solitude and fury being everywhere. Yeah. So it's not like it's some you know elf paradise. Yeah. But all no, right, that was cool. Uh, we are running low on time actually, just based on relative. So let's bump over to our third topic today. We do have Mono Wolf, who is our Force the Issue tier patron. He wanted us to talk about his EDH deck based around General Ferris Rockrick. Yep. So I got this sent to Matt. I had to work today. Uh, I technically got it yesterday. I haven't had a chance to look at it as much. Matt got to spend most of his day going through it, looking at it, kind of building a list. The I think the general theme here was he loves this deck. It's a really fun deck to play. This is an incredibly powerful commander. Yeah, it's um, a very cool commander. He recognizes that it's not going to ever be like probably like, you know, tier one. But he wants to up the power level of it. Now, for people that don't know, Rockrick um, actually saw some modern play. It's This card is so good. So one red-white for a 3-1. Hexproof from Monocolored, yep. which hits a lot. Uh, the, the, there's plenty of uh, decks in EDH that run multiple colors. Like, some of the most powerful spells are individual colors. Yeah. So, like, Swords to Plowshares. Yeah, it doesn't dodge the best path, one. Yeah. But it dodges a lot of them, for yeah. sure. Uh, but... Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a 4-4 red and white golem artifact creature token. So when every single one of your multicolored spells comes with a 4-4 attached to it, your board gets insane quick. Yes. So what did you think about this list, Matt? So the original list you sent me, um, <clears throat> the I kind of got the game plan pretty quick. Uh, the deck itself is it's fairly obvious what it wants to be doing. It wants to be getting as much value out of that as possible, yeah. right? Um, the problem was Mono Wolf, had, Mono Wolf had told us that the deck's not doing super great. Mm-hmm. So uh, just going through the list, and Jake, I just sent you the uh, my new list. Okay. Uh, so Jake will hate this, but I use Tapped Out still because it's just what I always use, and yeah, they're all even, functionally the same. Even though Mox Diamond looks better. Yep, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Infinitely better, by the way. Uh, although Tapped Out did update its look a little bit. So. Yeah, it is better. Yeah. It's not brown. It does look less like 2003. Yeah. This is more like 2009, 2010. But uh, so one of the first problems I saw, uh, I don't think the deck had enough land. Um, it was originally running 34 with very little ramp. Mm-hmm. And the average CMC, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was pretty high. Somewhere around the like, uh, I don't, it wasn't like absurdly high, but it wasn't like a CEDH level um, thing, which is what the mana base yeah. was. Uh, with... Uh, with lands, it's sorry. Without lands, it's three. It's two point yeah. nine. Without lands, it's two. Yeah. So three's three's a little up there, especially if you're running a deck with no ramp. Three's a little high. Well, that three is, it's where I kind of want to be, in this kind of like casual setting. I guess that's fair. So like, one of the things you got to watch out for is if you try to build a deck like this and you're playing in like a battle cruiser type of magic, you'll often just get outvalued unless you're a combo deck. Mm-hmm. You can't be super efficient. 
So you still want to run the good cards, but like you do need to be trying to do big splashy plays because everyone else is like the game's going to go longer and a lot of your decks will just flat out outspend you. Mm -hmm. So you had to, so like a perfect example of what I'm talking about, not necessarily with the mana, but with the cards not lining up would be like Abrupt Decay. Abrupt Decay is a wonderful card in CEDH. It's a horrible card in casual EDH. Yeah. It's, you know, like it's uncounterable. Great. But a great example would be like Mental Misstep. Mental Correct. Misstep has an auto-include. It's amazing. It's it's a Phyrexian man to counter a spell that costs one. Yeah. Which in CDH is most of them. Correct. But in just, you know, casual commander, that's not really what you're going for. So the first thing I did was bump up the land count from 34 to 36 mm-hmm. and then add in some more uh, ramp. Um, so I wasn't sure exactly what the budget was. Uh, as far as the land goes, I put in a lot of the just decent generic like red-white stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can cut those and... You know, you can tweak the mana base based on your budget. Yeah. Uh, it's red-white in EDH. As long as you run, a, you know, some ways to fix your mana, you're not going to be hurting too bad. Yep. Um, you don't just want to run 18 mountains and 18 plains, but you, you if you get a few in there, you're fine. Um, I put in the typical uh, artifact ramp that I run in basically everything. So you got Archon, Arcane Signet, Boro Signet. Uh, I put in... I don't normally run the diamonds except in white or red. Yeah. Because the other colors, typically speaking, have much better ways to ramp. Uh, so those are two slots that if you just hate them, you could cut them. Uh, they're basically two mana for... They produce colored mana, but they come into play tap. There's one really relevant thing I want to focus on with your mana rocks. Both Obviously, you did a good job, but to anyone, yeah. focus on mana rocks that cost two. Yeah, two or less. We are, we are beyond the point in magic where unless a three mana value mana rock is producing more than one mana or providing some insane value to your deck or your plan, it's probably not worth it. Right. There's too many two-drop mana rocks you can play on turn two or play on turn three and play something else uh, to be running these things that, like, three mana, make a mana of any color, indestructible. Right. Like, Darksteel, uh, what's that Darksteel Ingot. Darksteel Ingot just isn't worth playing anymore. It's really yeah. good. And it's it's just not it's not better than Boros Signet, Fire Diamond, Marble Diamond, Mindstone, Soul Ring, uh, Talisman of Conviction, Thought Vessel, any of that. Yeah. So uh, the other thing to keep in mind, you want to tune your ramp to, especially in a commander centric deck, uh, to your commander. Mm-hmm. So like you don't want to be running a bunch of three drop uh, mana rocks because on turn three you want to be yeah. casting your commander. Yeah. The goal so, is to get him out. Right. So what you want is a hand where you've got two lands and a uh, Arcane Signet. Yep. That's a perfectly keepable hand in this deck. So you got two lands, Arcane Signet, you go land, next turn, land, Arcane Signet, turn three, commander. Yes. By then, you've probably drawn either another another land or something like that, yeah. and you're off to the races, right? That's a solid start. You don't want to be conflicting with your commander a lot, and that's one of the things that um, just the creature suite itself did. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of three drops, and I typically speaking, um, unless they're very good, that's we'll go over the creatures here in a second, but like that's something you want to keep in mind in a... So, like, there's certain commander decks that they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily looking to cast their commander on curve. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those. You need to drop this on turn two or three as soon as possible because every spell you cast before he's out is a wasted 4-4. Four four. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because if you look at this list, almost every single card in this list, other than some of the just obvious auto-includes like Source Plowshares, Path to Exile, is multicolored. And then artifacts as well, yeah. obviously. But this list, I really stuck with the theme of go- making as many golems as yep. possible. Um, so it should do that a, a fair bit better. And there's some there's some room to tweak stuff. Like there's a couple cards. Like gamble is a good card if you don't have if you don't have it and don't want to spend money on it. Cut the gamble. Yeah. It's but it's just a decent card to have. 
um, stuff like that. So as far as the uh, lands and mana, that's where we go there. The creature suite, you could probably run a few more creatures if you wanted. Uh, what I went ahead and did is there was a lot of like decent creatures for like 60 card magic. So a good example of what was included was like Sky Knight Legionnaire. He's a 2-2 flying, 2-2 uh, flyer haste with for three mana. Um, in these type of games, you just have to get more out of your cards than a 2-2. Mm-hmm. And even though he's going to get you a 4-4, you can almost guarantee yourself that if you just start looking a little deeper, um, if you go through the list of these cards, I mean, almost every single one of them has a full text box at this point. Yep. Where it's just like, just we're, getting a 2-2 isn't enough. We're at the point in Magic where like you're, you're, you should be eking out as much. If you're looking to push your deck to, a, to be better, if you're just looking to play a deck, which whatever, sure, yep. play whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but once you start like, I want this deck to be better, you need to be focusing on cards that do more for their money. Yep. And I don't mean dollars. I mean for their mana cost. Yep. And if you can get a uh, three mana two two with a text box, if any part of it's relevant, then it's better than a vanilla three mana two two. Yep. Well, a good example of this would be so you got Sky Knight Legionnaire, and then we're going to compare that to to Tajik uh, Legion's Edge. Exact same ma- CMC, exact same mana cost and everything. He's a three two with haste, so you're only losing flying. He's got Mentor, so whenever he attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter and target attacking creature with lower, lesser power. Prevent all non-combat damage that would be built, dealt to other creatures you control, and you can pay two to give him first strike. Yeah. That's much more value for your three mana. Yep, that's than just, huge. Than effectively just, you know, it's one more power, loses flying, but that's the kind of changes I made. So I went through and, I mean, almost every creature in this deck is legendary. Yeah. Well, it's one of, that, that's one of those things... That you bring to the table, especially being an old Magic player, is you have a card uh, a card library in your head that I know I'm a lot newer. I think Mono Wolf is a yep. bit newer to the, especially either they are newer. There's a possibility we talked about it. And I think he might have played at one point and took a break. But mm-hmm. that same thing where you've missed a lot of Magic, where you look at a three mana, you know, one red white for a two two that, that meets the criteria. But where you and I, because I, I've been living the world a little bit longer, I'm like, well, isn't Tajik just better? Yeah, and he is. But if you don't know Tajik exists, that, that was the that was a huge part of when I was getting into building commander decks, and whatever. Is I'd bring cards to you and I go, "Hey, is this card good?" And you go, "I mean, yeah." If you don't want to run the better version, yeah. And that's what it's like. Well, what's the better version? Oh, it's this. Uh, yeah, it's a two mana two two that when you ETBs you draw a card. I'm like, that's way better. Yeah. But if you don't know it exists, you can't put it in your deck. Yep. And another good uh, another slight change I made. Um, so there's an, just to, to kind of demonstrate the point, I tried to also keep the, there's a tiny bit of like, like the deck is designed to go wide. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of stuff that boosts like all creatures you control and whatnot. So like I cut Sky Knight Legionnaire, I kept Sky Knight Vanguard, which is a two mana, one, two flyer. Whenever it attacks, you make another token that's tapped in attacking. So presumably you're going to have stuff out like uh, Anointed Procession, so it gets bigger. You're going to get two. Mm-hmm. You're going to have like Cathar's Crusade, so it's just going to make everything bigger. Yeah. You've got huge uh, synergies there. Yeah, like it's going to work. It's going to do more than for the deck rather than just playing a two-two. Because mm-hmm. one of the things you have to keep in mind with EDH is you've got three opponents. They each have forty life. Com- like dealing combat damage has to be in big chunks. Yep. So like those two twos just it's not enough to just be efficient because that's a very efficient card. You have to go wide AF. Yes. To and, win aggro and it's and tall. Like, and uh, one of the things Mono Wolf said is this: this is kitchen table magic. Yep. This is meant to be a little more casual, and that's and and combat is definitely probably the most common way a casual game of magic ends. It's still hard. Yes. It's still really hard. Yep. 
So this, and that's one of the things I tried very hard to do as well. I know this is a casual deck, so there's no combos in here. Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing that's going to make the table salty. For a minute, I put in Blood Moon, and then I cut it when I I was like, oh, I have more than 100. Like, Blood Moon, I would run this. Like, yeah. if, Blood Moon's a great card. Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon are great cards to put in, put in your right. deck. If you don't mind making people angry sometimes. Correct. Like, if you're looking to just be cutthroat, include them, because you've got plenty of room for basics. Like, I mean, that's not going to affect you hardly at all with a Blood Moon in this mm -hmm. deck. Um, but yeah, then I just went through and got rid of some of the just, uh, some of the creatures that could just get more value out of a card, replaced them with some other things. Um, it's kind of funny. So I was looking at it and I was like, you know, you could run, uh, what's the creature that's got banned out of Pioneer? You could run Winota in yep. this, but like almost everything's a human. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's like eight, there's like seven ish, maybe non-humans and then like 16 humans. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, maybe not. That card's not nearly as good when you don't have nearly as many non-humans to hit. There is a slight soldier sub-theme. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, in fairness, what that means, if you get Winota, if you have any non-humans, you're almost certainly going to be hitting humans. Yeah. So, um, like I said, there's there's not a ton of, like, there's a couple little, like, there's a lot of soldiers, a lot of knights, mostly humans, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. None of that's necessarily intentional. I didn't build that in mind. Um but, so that's the creatures. Again, I'll, we'll link the deck lists and of whatnot. Of course, of course. So everyone can see it. Uh, the instance, uh, there is one card I did want to mention. I, there is a Sunforger in here. That's kind of one of my pet cards. I do like Sunforger a lot. There's not a ton of instance in the deck. There's only six. They are very good and all castable by Sunforger, but it's not a Sunforger deck. Yeah, without having a as wide package, Sunforger does get worse. It does. The The... Only reason I kept it in here, and I didn't even know this card existed because I just must have again missed it. A chrome as well is nuts. Yeah, <laughs> and especially in this deck, if you got a few of these four four golems and a sudden forger out, being able to pay two tutor out a, a chrome as well and cast it is yeah. bonkers. So for reference, so if you control your commander, you get to do both. Otherwise, you pick one. Either creatures you control gain flying, vigilance, and double strike, or they get lifelink, indestructible, and protection from all colors. Yeah. So if you have your commander, which presumably you do, it's working with a commander deck, you should plan on most of the time having your commander. Yep. You could, yeah, attack in with, I don't know, eight four fours, and then before blockers are declared, give your shit protection from all colors, flying, vigilance, double strike, lifelink, and indestructible. Yeah. It's a very, very powerful spell. Take 30. Yeah. I'm going to gain 30. So, like, I again, I like Sunforger. Uh, one of the other things it does, and this is... This is not something you really should plan on, but it does give plus four, plus O, oh, and your commander is a, um, this, this was actually intentional, it's a 3-1, that bumps it up to seven, that means he's three hits and he's lethal. Very relevant. So with another, uh, any of these buffs and whatnot, this could turn into being able to, and he's very, he's also, I mean... In fairness, though, most that's of the time... where you're going to go, General but it's a Ferris plan. probably isn't hitting the red zone very often. No. But having that as an option is relevant. But it's just one of those things. It's like this is kind of what you want to pay attention to when you're building a deck. Mm -hmm. Where like again, Sunforger, it's not a Sunforger deck. You only got a few instants, but he does equip, gives decent power, that kind of thing. So you want to get as much value out of your cards as you can. Uh, the other thing, uh, the previous list wasn't running since this deck is very commander centric. Uh, I put in Lightning Greaves and Swiftfoot Boots. Yeah, those are kind of this the go to protect your commanders. Yep, I think they're very if. There are some decks that are good and their commander really brings it home, and there are some decks that do almost nothing when their commander isn't out. If you're, this is one of those like, like for example, my Moldrotha deck. I love Moldrotha, one of my favorite commanders to play. That deck doesn't do anything if nope. Moldrotha dies, and so that's I run a lot of the protection you spells. You have to, yep. 
I run four or five counter spells in it, and they like I almost never stop any from doing anything. They only exist to keep Moldrota from dying. Yeah, or like if you're gonna if you're gonna if resolve you're, tooth and nail, then, yeah, yeah, if you're I'm gonna, gonna win. It. But like I yeah. don't care if you cast a seven mana seven seven that you know you draw three cards. That's cool, whatever. You can't path my you can't path my Moldrotha because I stop playing. Right. That's the mentality you should bring with this, where like all these cards are good. All of these um Boros cards are good, but like they're not good enough really until they come with a four four. Right. Now they're fucking insane. Yeah, and that's that's basically what I was going with was just like I'll pay, you know, three mana for a dude if that three mana dude also comes with a four four golem. Yeah. And that's that's huge. Yeah. I mean, uh, you talk about one of the one of the things you should talk about in magic is like two for ones. You should be looking to get two for ones in your favor. Like this commander is two for one central, where it's yes. like I'm gonna cast a creature and make another creature, and they're both intimidating. Yep. Um so as far as the sorceries go, uh the sorceries in instance, uh, a couple of the cards that were included were stuff like lightning helix and whatnot. Uh I understand why they're in there because when you're looking at it, you're going, okay, well, I'm paying two mana, I'm dealing three damage, I'm gaining three life, and I'm getting a 4-4. Four, four. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, that's just not good enough. Realistically, like, most creatures aren't going to die from the Lightning Helix yeah. in casual EDH. Yep. And three life isn't that important. Nope. So basically what you're doing is you're running a card that gener- just triggers your commander. Uh-huh. So I took most of those out because you'd I, I personally would rather pay one more mana, cast a dude who... Yeah buffs all my other dudes and yep. then produce, still gets that trigger. So uh there was a few of those I took them out. I think there was uh there was a couple Rip Apart was a card that I had missed from Strixhaven. That's a very cool yeah, card. That's very good in this. It's a sorcery speed disenchant for uh red and a white, but you can also uh three damage target creature or planeswalker. Yeah. So you can do three damage to a creature, you can kill it to fairy, but you can also uh destroy uh, <clears throat> an Acroma's memorial. Right. So, Which is really good for two mana. And I thought about putting a Chroma's Memorial in here. That would be a decent card in this deck yep. in a in a more battle cruiser These, type thing. Well, like and th- there's things like that. It's like um, Coat of Arms would be a great addition to this yep. deck. Uh, it's a little more pricey, but yeah, Coat of Arms is great. Coat of Arms gives all of your creatures plus one plus one for each creature that shares a type with it. Yeah. So like if you've got five golems, they they're each get all plus getting four, plus, plus four. four plus four because yeah. they see they're four. And like it's that card's insane. Yeah, that was another one I thought of. Eldrazi Monument could be another one where like that's yep. another good like five mana. It gives all your stuff indestructible and flying, and every turn you have to sack a creature to keep it. But like you yeah. make five, you're making plenty of tokens. There's some yep. stuff like that I could see you putting in here. Yep, and I I mainly kept those out for uh, one reason that was the average CMC. Yeah. So this is one of those things like I didn't get a chance to make like a a lot of times when I do these deck tweaks for people I'll also put in like a maybe board uh-huh. or like some sort you know some sort of like here here's a list of cards that could also go in here play with something like this and then see what it needs. Yeah. So like if you're just not keeping up because a lot of that stuff you can tune to the meta. Yep. So like if your games go longer. That coat of arms is going to be very they good. Get better. And it's, if you're having a hard time finishing the game, if you're having a hard time crossing that finish line of damage, you might need a top end like that, where you right. give all of your stuff a, an evasion of some kind, or make them one shot kills with yeah. making them ten tens or twenty twenties, essentially. Yeah. But uh, I would one other thing I saw I didn't see in the instant section, um, and it's expensive. To face protection is probably one of those yeah. things worth. Running. I was trying to keep it budget conscious. Yeah. That's so, what that's another like twenty five thirty dollar card if you've got it. To face yeah. protection kind of like an auto include mm-hmm. if you have it. it. Well, especially with something like this, yeah, because this deck is it's one committing things, to the board. One of the things he said is it's kind of dead in the water to a board wipe. Yes, and it is. And so you don't have like counter spells to stop that. You don't have green for indestructible. Your best option realistically is to face protection. Yes. So, and that's, again, that was one of the things that would would have been in the maybe board. Um, 
the there is a jeweled lotus on the list. Uh, the only reason that was on the list is because it was already in the list yeah. he gave me. So See, I assumed he had it. <laughs> probably either has it or is willing to buy it. Right. So, uh, but other than that, I did try to keep the list very budget conscious. Mm-hmm. So some of that stuff, again, like I threw in a gamble, but like that's I think gamble's probably the most expensive card in the deck. Other than expensive non land. Other than lotus. Yeah. Yeah. The deck. The total. The deck total is going to be around. around Four hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Obviously, what what's that load? Is that fifty bucks? Uh, eighty bucks. It's listed at eighty. Yeah. Here. So if, if the deck you put together is less than four hundred bucks, pull out a hundred bucks for Lotus. You're looking at two to three hundred dollars for the deck. Um, and that's assuming you own none of it. If you own none of it. Yeah. So and there was a, the I guess the other one. There's Anointed Procession, which is a twenty five dollar card, but it was mm-hmm. already on the list. Yeah. So I just kept it in there. Probably fair to either they have it or they're willing to buy it. Yep. So sorceries again. I cut those. Like I said, I cut a, the uh, the just kind of like two damage, three damage, that kind of thing. I think I might have left. Did I leave one of them? There was one. I think that River, was River Heart's the closest thing you have there, where it's like just kind of. It, but it, it's there was a one with flashback that I was like, well, the flashback getting two out of it, like that was basically the line. Gotcha. But I was like, eh, even then, I still don't maybe think that's the enough. Anglefire ignition, where like. You get to put two plus one plus one counters yeah, on a creature. That one I thought was a decent, was a yeah. little bit of a decent one. That's one of those things where it makes a dude and it really advances your game plan. Yes. You're making a dude and you're making another dude very, uh, very big, very scary, and give lifelink for the turn. Yeah. That's, that's a cool, that that was like, I was like, that's probably worth keeping in like this kind of setting. Yeah. Um, I threw in a faithless, faithless looting uh, just to give you a little bit more consistency. Red yep. doesn't have a ton of cantrips. There were some like uh, rummage cards in here. Uh-huh. I don't like the ones where you have to discard before you draw. Yeah, they're I don't. They just to be perfectly honest, one they're almost always uncastable because a lot of them say like, you know, discard two cards if you do like, draw cards. Like thrilling discovery. Yeah, yeah, discard two, draw four, or whatever yeah. that is. I I'm not a huge fan of those. Yeah. Uh, but if you are, there's room in this list for yep. them. Um, and then he had kept, he had relentless assault, relentless assault in here just for an extra combat step. I went ahead and kept that in there. Mm-hmm. I like, he's got a, that and waves of aggression. Those are like, if I was going to put in something like coat of arms or, uh, a Chromos Memorial, yeah. I, that's what I would take out. I would take out the extra, I would have either that. Yeah. I either would run one extra or the combats other. or make my team fucking terrifyingly right. big. Because what the terrifyingly big thing does is. You don't need extra combat. Yeah. You don't need to swing twice with five with you know ten golems that are all 40 40s. Yep. You just need to swing you just once. I attack once and win. Um the the extra turns are the extra combats. I like a little bit more. They don't typically the one of the problems is you play coat of arms and you are instantly a target. Yeah. And and it's also very easy to destroy. It is very easy to kill. Whereas you can like Extra turns are sneaky. They are sneaky. Not extra turns, extra combats. Extra are combats sneaky. are sneaky. Where it's like everyone looks around and they go, "Well, Mono Wolf's only got you know 15 power on the board. He could maybe kill one of us, but we're probably okay." And then you go like, "I'm gonna take two extra combats this turn for my for my eight man is gonna be two extra combats, yeah. and you two are dead." Right. Good luck killing me on your turn. Yeah, guy who's in thir- clearly in, in last thir- place yeah. <laughs> because I didn't kill you. Yeah, they're very yeah. sneaky. Yep. Uh, and then the enchantments. Uh, the enchantments I messed left mostly the same. Uh, Anointed Procession, Cathars Crusade, those are kind of does. Uh, they were already in there. Felidar Retreat, I thought was a decent one. I don't know if it's really going to be worthwhile, but it was, it's good enough to try, in my opinion. The, yeah, the, because you kind of have to, the, the pumping your team in Vigilance is going to be the best ability there. Yeah. The, you, you don't, most of the time, you're not looking to get a yeah. cat. You're, but it's, that, giving plus one, plus one to all your creatures, green and white, good. and it has landfall. And you can either make a cat, a 2 2 cat, or everything you, all your creatures get a plus one, plus one counter. And they gain vigilance. Yeah. 
because a crackback on this deck is going to be pretty huge. I mean, th- this deck is attacking. If you're not in the red zone, you're not winning with this deck. Yeah. And that puts you in a very vulnerable position where once you get to where you've got six, seven golems and you're attacking everyone every turn, everyone kind of looks over and goes, hey, guys, let's just attack Mono Wolf three times and kill him. Right. So giving yourself vigilance is going to be huge because otherwise now you're attacking with one or two golems. Like, you're, I got to leave three golems back, so I'll attack with two, and you're just not accelerating that victory as fast as you could. Correct. Uh, in that vein that same vein if you wanted you could throw in uh there's a couple propaganda effects i can't remember ghost there's ghostly prison ghostly which is Prison's just propaganda the one. then there's uh norin's annex or something like that there's a white one which that is, does it for each enchantment too yeah sphere of protection i think yep so those are potentials like yeah. if that's that if again those those would be maybe board cards yep. where it's just like they make it so that your opponent has to pay some amount of mana for each creature attacking you yes so they they really help with that uh, yeah. Just like, you know, getting beat down a lot. They're good don't die cards. They let you commit more to the red zone and not worry about getting too much crack back. Yeah. Then there was one fun of, it's called Rise of the Hobgoblins. <laughs> so it's a two mana enchantment uh, with hybrid red or white. Um, when it comes into play, you can pay X if you do put X 1-1 uh, goblins into play. They're red, white also. And then it's just an enchantment that you can pay a red or a white. Red and white creatures you control gain first strike until end of turn. So like that's Really just, narrow. <laughs> It's a fun of. It's good. It's really good. But it's it's really narrow. just one of the. Yeah, it's just one of those things I saw. I was like, well, it's, it's a turn two play that doesn't that, like you wouldn't you'd you wouldn't mind doing it on turn two because yeah. then you can start kind of start start throwing around mana. Uh, it's a great turn ten play where yeah. you just dump eight goblins onto the battlefield, yeah, make a bunch of goblins, or you and now you get that position where all of your blocks for your opponent get a lot worse. And and now like if you are in a turtle up position, anyone attacking you has a really hard time safely attacking you because yeah. like I'll just put I've got five four fours. I'll just double block where needed and then give myself first strike. But yeah, the, I saw that card and I was like, I've never played with that. It looks kind of fun. Yeah. That's absolutely something you could cut. It's, it's not it's not in there that's as one of those a competitive that's, thing. It's really powerful but hyper narrow. You have yeah. hearing red and white creatures. Luckily you make red and white golems. And you have plenty of other ways to like, you know, non-token or like uh, a good example intangible virtue creature tokens you control get plus one plus one yep there is a decent up. yeah so I there's mean, could ways you to ma- make that it's bigger. obviously like this is you know hey best case scenario thinking but like let's go turn five cathars crusade turn six i'm gonna make i'm gonna cast that and make four one ones and they all become five fives right so like i said and there the funny thing is there's if you were just looking for a pay x get a number of sp- one ones there's better cards mm-hmm. but Maybe. i was trying to keep with there are there's a couple that are like you know it's like x and one white and you make x soldier yeah, token, but stuff like that well, the one on but that, they're not i know what you're talking about the problem with that one though if it's the one i'm thinking of is like once you get past like six it becomes a board wipe yeah and that's not what you want well but what i was looking at with this one though was just it's i was trying to really stick with the red white theme yeah so like this is multicolored spells so it's going still going to give you your golem. Uh-huh. Uh, it's castable even if you don't have X because it still does give your creatures first strike if you need them to stuff like that. So yep. again, that's perfectly reasonable to cut. It was just kind of a fun of. Yeah, but that was one of the things. Then the other stuff, uh, Showdown of Scalds could also probably go. It's, it's probably some of the best card draw you're going to get. Yeah, Boros, that's though. basically why I did it. It's not super efficient, but there's very few ways. There's also a couple of other cards that I would add if I just had unlimited budget. There'd be like land tax, maybe tithe, mm-hmm. stuff like that that I kept out because they're like forty or fifty dollar cards. So there's there's ways to ramp. Like the biggest thing, the biggest problem with this deck is just going to be keeping up with um, mana spending. So like because yeah. like you've only you've only got so many mana rocks, you can only dedicate so much room to acceleration whereas like a green player is going to outspend you a lot 
So, like, if I was playing this, I would kill the green player first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, you can keep up with most other decks as far as spending goes. Because yep. most EDH players run Artifact Ramp. Yep. If they're not running green, you can keep up with them. You need to kill the either combo even, players first or the green player. Even counter, This deck is even relatively well situated against counter magic. Yep. Because, like I said, with every one of your cards is a two-for-one, they counter your creature. I still you got still a 4-4 four 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 out of four. it. Like, Yep. It's not what I wanted, but I still I, I'm still committing more to the board at every spell I cast. Correct. So yep. there's a couple things I would change. Um, I would probably run two more wrath effects. You we've got one wrath of God right now, and I know that the deck is very bad to wraths, but uh, I think it's very important that you have those like oh shit buttons. Like there's going to be a lot of times where like you're looking at your board and you've got four or five golems, but your opponent has like thirty power on the yeah. board, and it's like well it's worth it. Yep. I would probably run something like the populate. That's a brand new board wipe. It's two white, white, destroy all creatures. But each player that has a multicolored creature draws a card. Yeah, that, I saw that. That was going to be... Basically, there's... I found about 120 cards I wanted in here. Uh-huh. So this is kind of... So like I, the Wrath of God is kind of a stand-in for a yes, board wipe. Like I would look at running two to three minimum board wipes. A blast, if you have it, Blasphemous Act. Actually, it's only like 10 cents. Again, like, that was another one I thought of. It's a very yep. quick, easy include. If you haven't seen it, Blasphemous Act is like 12 and red. But and it deals thirteen damage to each creature, but it costs one less for each creature in play. So, yep. you know, once you get to the middle of the game, and like when you're ready to crack that, it's because your opponent has ten creatures, and you're like, well, this is one red mana kill every creature. Right. So I would probably add a few more board wipes, just as some oh shit buttons. Uh, but yeah, that, 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 those are the changes I would make. Like maybe it's a face protection if you got it. Maybe a few more board wipes, but like this deck looks pretty solid, especially for that mid tier. Um, I think this is gonna be. Not having not played it, I would not be surprised if this deck is a little bit like powerful for middle of the road decks. Because yeah, well, when you're talking about like when talking about value, value is so sneaky good. When you start getting in, like, my Moldrotha deck, which I love playing, it actually shits on a lot of people's decks. The combo in it is like four card combo. It takes forever to assemble. But the reason it shits on everyone's decks is it's just value. All I'm doing is casting the same card multiple times. I'm getting three things for one card. I'm getting multiple. It's just value. And when Mm -hmm. you start piling value onto your opponents, you start winning really quickly. Yeah, and that's what this deck does. This deck is value. Everything you cast has a four-four. Once your opponents have played it four or five times, and once they've once you get good, once they lose three times in a row to it, they're just going to kill General uh, Ferris on sight. Yeah, it's going to get a little harder then. Uh, but before people realize that General Ferris is a kill on site commander in your deck, you're gonna have the chance to like fill the board up and have people looking around going, "What the fuck do we do?" Yep. So yeah, it, it should. It's probably a solid like six or seven. Yeah. As far as like if you keep right it where really you tuned, to, yeah, yeah, it's right. And that's what I did. It's like it's still a very casual game plan, but it's going to execute that casual game plan uh-huh. pretty much every game. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. Like, it's going to be relatively consistent. Uh, there's outs for mana flood. Obviously, if you get mana screwed, uh, you know, you probably kept Sorry a bad hand. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even, I mean, the deck is, because that's one of, that's the also the other thing I do. Whenever I build, if I'm not building a deck to be, like, a competitive deck, I overcompensate a little bit on mana and land because I want to play the game. Yep. I'd rather be flooded than screwed. And especially in EDH where, like, worst case scenario, you just keep casting your commander. Yeah. Like getting to 10 mana is not unrealistic and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yep. You want to be doing big splashy plays. So I lean a little heavy on the mana side, especially in red white where you can't just on command, just start casting rampant growths and crap like that and just control how much mana you have. Yeah. It's a lot harder. Yeah. So yeah, that's the deck. I think it looks really good. I think it looks like a lot of fun. 
this is the kind of deck that oh i got excited excited when i saw it i was like that's cool since i have stepped like i own like one kind of cdh style deck and i have stepped back like the general the general progression i see with a lot of people a lot of people play EDH and they play casual EDH for their entire life and they love it and that's great. They play Spider Tribal. It's their best thing. Um, people that like me and Matt, and I've even seen some people at the card shop like uh, Drew, we they, they start coming to me and they go, hey, how would I make this more CDH? And so you take your decks and you start ramping them up to kind of more CDH because you want to start winning more and having fun. And then you get there and you're like, this is great, but I kind of miss the good old days of just smashing fatties. And so you kind of retract back into it. And that's where I am where... I've got one really good deck that's kind of CDH. I've got one deck that's gets pretty good, pretty value intensive, and then just a bunch of like fun decks. Yeah, this is exactly what I love to play as like a fun deck. This is in the same vein for me as Feather, where Feather takes all these cards that probably weren't good enough and it tweaks the rules of Magic enough to make them great. Yep, this takes all of these Boros creatures that like probably aren't good enough, but you start tweaking the rules of Magic and what they actually do, and you go, wow, actually, you know, like. Bruce Tarl's pretty great when you get a four mana three three and a four four and you know whenever he uh what whenever he ETBs or attacks target creature gains double strike like that's yep. uh, when that comes that's pretty good and when it comes with a four four it's crazy or Jor Kadeen uh he's a five mana five four first strike metalcraft creatures you control get plus three plus o oh. <laughs> <laughs> so a fi- yeah a five mana four four that very quickly is very easily going to be a 8-4 that makes a 7-4. Yes. It makes all your four. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff is so much fun to play with. And this is going to be a really fun deck. I'm sure it's fun to play already. Um, and I think, obviously, the one thing holding it back is just kind of some tuning things. Once you tune this in a little bit, it'll be a lot more fun to play. And yeah, it'll be a lot more intimidating. Play it a few times, figure out what you need for your particular meta, and yeah. then you know tweak a couple cards, and then you're good to go. Um, you, I forgot to put them on here and I wasn't sure if I wanted to run them, but you could also run the, uh, artifact lands. So yeah. there's a couple things that matter for artifacts, Yeah, but it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if I'd want a non-basic for the off chance of trying to hit metalcraft in a deck that should be hitting metalcraft. Yep. I, I, that kind of thing. When you're not searching lands out, when all you're doing is drawing the land, I really prefer my lands coming in untapped. Yeah. Like well, I the, really there are, you could it. have the, the red one, the only red and the only right white they come into play untapped they're just artifacts the the standard artifact lands. oh you mean you like replace... the modern artifact lands yeah. oh i thought you were talking about the like indestructible dual lands. no you you in theory you could but Got like you. i wouldn't go that far i would run like it's like ancient den and uh i forget the name of the red one yeah, i know what you're talking about yeah they're yeah. just they're just artifact lands that yep. make a red or make a white so you could run those if you wanted um but yeah overall i think the deck is uh kind of right where it needs to be it looks fun too like you have to like when you get this put together like let us know. I'm excited to see how. I'm excited to hear how it goes. I know uh, Monwolf said he's 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 still building the popper deck. He's he, life gets in the way, you know. Oh, yep, he's still getting absolutely. it put together. Um, but I think he has a harder time playing popper. It's just like the the shop doesn't support it super well. Huh. But obviously he plays commander with his friends. Seems like often enough. So I'm really excited to see when this gets kind of finished and put together how it comes out. One of the other things that's kind of cool about this deck, uh, you could trade for a lot of these creatures because if you look at them, they're like. Between one and four dollars, yes. And they come. What it is, a lot of them, a lot of the legendaries come in like the pre-con commander decks, mm-hmm. or they're like a weird legendary well, from Modern it, Horizons or something. A lot like of these, that. they they're in that bulk rare spot. Yeah, where like they're. I'm not saying anything is cheap because money is yeah. hard to come by, but like these are pretty cheap creatures. These are relatively attainable creatures for the vast most part. You got a couple of creatures here that are maybe ten bucks, maybe twelve bucks, but the, like most of these creatures are like. And I would less get those last. Like I would absolutely get those last. Like what you're doing is like. If you were taking going from your current list to this list, 
just start getting the inexpensive creatures, get the inexpensive stuff first and start yeah. slotting them in and just like pick the cards you like the least as far as your creatures goes and goes, you know, take out your Sky Knight Legionnaire and put in Tajik Legends yeah. Edge. Like just one for one and just to slowly improve that deck. That's the cool thing about this deck. It's not reliant on a, you have to have these two cards to make it work. Nope. You have your commander, you have red and white spells, yeah. and you can just gradually make your deck better by adding as long these as cards. Got, as long as you hit that criteria, you're going to be yeah. cranking out some powerful stuff. Yep. Well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you doing most of the legwork on getting that built. Uh, yeah, no I will get that uh, sent to him ASAP so he can be looking at it first. And then we get our episode up. I'll make sure and put the old list up in case everyone wants to check out his old list, which wasn't necessarily bad. Just wasn't as good as you it can could see be. the changes. Yep. And then I'll put the new list up so you guys can see uh, mostly what I'm like, thank you for this. Mostly what Matt has done to make some adjustments. And uh, maybe if Matt has some time, he might go in later. It'll be a tapped out link. And so if he goes in and adds a maybe board later, if he gets bored tonight and works on it a little bit more, that maybe board will show up. It'll update in real time. Yeah. There's a nice thing about this for about tapped out is it does update in real time. But uh, I do have bad news. We've recorded quite a bit longer episode than usual, and I don't think we're going to have time to record a dedicated Patreon episode this week. Um, unfortunately, I have I don't have enough time to put another 30, 40 minutes into a Patreon yep. episode. So what we might try and do is we might try and find some other way to get some extra content to our patrons later this week. So I'm super sorry about that, guys. But we kind of went a little longer on this than we kind of meant to, but you know how it is. You're having fun doing something, and time kind of flies by. Um do you want to? Is there anything you want to go over before I start wrapping the episode up, though? No, I think that's just about it. All right. So as we wrap up, I do want to give a final shout out to our patrons. Once again, Emperor, Rogue, Derek, Ashley, Eric, Mono Wolf, Ethan, and CJ. Thank you guys so much. You really help make the show where happen every week. Uh, I am sorry we're not going to get you that specific content that we always get, but I'll try and find something else to get you guys this week. I promise. Uh, if anyone does want to help support us, the uh, the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. Pretty much every week we give our, our patrons an extra 30 minutes of content on just kind of whatever. You also get tons of cool perks at the upper tiers like uh, you might get like a free t-shirt after a few months or you get uh, the ability to force an issue where you can make us talk about your deck list or some news you thought was interesting as long as it's fairly magic related. Yeah. You also get access to our private Patreon or our, pay, our private Discord where you can get, I mean, you can talk to us personally every single day. We're both in there every day chit-chatting and sharing news and whatnot. Uh, I also give a thanks to the Planeswalkers podcast. Uh, check them out when they come back. Twitch.tv forward slash Planeswalkers podcast. And their Discord.Planeswalkers podcast is a great place. Good gathering hub for magic people of all kinds. If you want to email us, you can email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is uh, Cantrip Cartel on Facebook. We also have a Twitter, Cantrip Cartel, or at Cantrip Cartel. Or even on Instagram, memeing it up. It is Cantrip Cartel on Instagram. But Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Not that I know of. Well, I think you got case, us. I think we will see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So I'll go to uh, my upkeep, draw, untap. I'm just going to play my sixth land, and then I'm going to play a monastery mentor, and then I'm going to fatal push your creature and make a token. I'll go and pass the turn. Uh, I'll respond to your fatal push and give it protection from my creature, protection from black. I am going to respond to that, and I'm going to cast Drown in the Lock, and I'm going to counter that because you've got two spells in your graveyard. Oh, you got me this time. 
back where we belong. <laughs> Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Drinking mad, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers crowns the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of Paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaur stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the cantrip cartel.